start making my way through and I get to the strippers. So <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty independent. So I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to use them. Then I'm like, no, I'm here for the full experience. So I run up to them. They're like, just take it down halfway. Take it down halfway. <laughs> lay down, lay down. So I lay down and they just, <laughs> and I was like, oh, new kink unlocked. Okay, cool. <laughs> One, two, Episode 94 of the On The Runs podcast. Erica has her brand new shiny computer and we are finally upping our podcast game. Erica, what's up? How do I look to you, man? You're actually kind of fuzzy right now. I think we need to get a hard wire internet, ethernet cable into your computer because you're still Uh, a little fuzzy. But I think it's actually, it's probably not your fault. Brandon is probably downstairs streaming the Super Bowl and they're going into overtime right now. Or at least I think they are. Uh, we haven't even talked about. Yes, he is watching the Super Bowl. Um, I watched the beginning of it, and uh, guess how many times I saw Taylor? Tell me, I haven't seen a thing yet. Maybe one, because I was looking down, and I feel like she showed, like they showed her once. Okay. So I think you're going down on your uh, bet, man. All right. So, but so the bet was we never even made the, the term. The bet was fifty, which then you, I realized you got to actually do uh, over under forty nine point five. And we just we did decide what we're gonna do the bet, which is you're you were gonna shave your head if you lost. That was not what we agreed upon. And I was not gonna cut my hair for a whole month if if you if I lost. <laughs> That's absolutely not what we agreed on. <laughs> <laughs> we were gonna do something better that we would do a donation to the winner's charity of choosing. Multiple charities but, are on the uh, table too. Yeah, because we've got so many friends running for so many good causes. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how so it goes. So we said $100. Like we talked one. about this over the week. It's going to be $100, and it could be split up two yep. or four ways or or all mm-hmm. or 100 just for all for one. The only thought yeah. the only thought I had after was we kind of like I wish – okay, so I did a ton of squares. So many people have asked me for money where I started saying I can't buy any more squares for the Super Bowl. And now I'm kind of like, oh, there's a hundred dollars mm-hmm. I could have gone to squares if I lost, but I, I won't know if I lost until after the game. Which, if it's going to overtime, there's going to be more chances yeah. for Taylor to be on TV. Like this actually helps me out, and I will have to Google. Mm-hmm. Guys, do me a favor. Tell me how many times she was on TV. If someone has the answer, I need fifty or more. And it goes from pregame, like when they walk on the field, until until the trophy presentation after the trophy is presented it's over so i have a little extra time overtime might help me maybe it goes long into overtime looks like it's a low scoring game 19 to i don't know man i i feel like i might still have it because i watched the first half of the game and she was only there maybe one time the only thing i know i I haven't seen a second of the game the only thing i know is like san francisco had a lead for quite a while and the chiefs couldn't even score so maybe if the second half was all chief scoring it might the camera might have kept going back to Taylor. like yes 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 it's possible but yeah this game has not been i have a chance you're telling me i have a chance all right well i don't mind spending a hundred dollars to someone's boston marathon charity i don't mind so it's just mm-hmm. uh, I missed out and on squares. Don't forget, we're there are people who are are running for other races too. 
like Patrick's re- running for uh, the Columbus half again, I think. And oh, so we we're uh, gonna go out. We can go Lincoln outside Island. of just Boston. I thought it was just gonna be oh, Boston oh, Marathon. Absolutely. All right. All right. Nope, nope. We have friends fundraising for all kinds of things. So I I don't I don't think we should limit it's, it just to the Boston. You Marathon. know, a lot of people are out there fundraising, and I mm-hmm. love to support them and pump their tires. And I I personally I hate fundraising myself. So you know, kudos to you guys because mm-hmm. I think it's hard. So kudos to you guys out there who are doing it. It is hard. Yeah. It, it's it's you know, a little bit intimidating to me to go out there and ask for money. So you guys are doing it and kudos to you. I know so many of you are trying right now and I feel bad. I've turned, I've turned more down in the last two weeks than I ever have just because I felt like I already donated $300, like 12 different times that added up to $300. Like I can't do anymore. We do do have so many friends and it's so hard because you just want to help everybody. And I, I financially cannot recover from <laughs> now that's that 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 mean, but I, I would love to help everybody and hopefully I can get around to to giving some to a little here, a little there, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. I don't know. Just keep doing what you guys are doing. You're you're killing it out there with all of your fundraising efforts and we totally love you for it and we want to help. Just know we want to help and hopefully we will get to help. <laughs> Win or lose, because I'm sure I'm sure both of us will wind up donating at some point. We don't need to do the hundred. We could go back to hair. You shave your head, or I let Dude, my hair grow. Nah, nah. Okay, all right. Nah. We'll do a hundred dollars. Let your hair grow. Well, I hope everyone here, you know, hits their goal, hits their Boston Marathon goal at the Super Bowl, all your squares. I hope the people who win give the money back and say it's for you, and then you guys can uh, easily not stress about the Boston Marathon and running or whatever you're right. raising money for. But sometimes, you know, it's a good thing I didn't spend all my money because I'm going to need to spend some at the Home Depot because we had a little incident in my house last night and it was pretty crazy, maybe the craziest 90 seconds of my life. And I think I sent you a picture of my burnt hand. You did. And I was like, is that a bruise? Like I was looking at it. I couldn't tell what. I was really looking at. So I had to be like, what the hell happened to you, dude? So one thing about this podcast is we've had a lot of people come on or or message me about how much they appreciate how transparent we are. And I'm going to be as transparent as I can with this story. But one thing I can't do is I'm going to have to cut out or I'm not even going to say it. What the what what the brand is or the product, because. I'm trying to get some money to pay for my house repairs, but my house caught on fire last night. Oh my God. Talk about like the scariest thing ever. My house caught on fire. So let me paint this picture for you. And what I will tell you is this, it is a product that you will keep in your bathroom and it has a battery and a charger and you will plug it into the wall and charge it. And that caught on fire. So now I'm going to take you back. Okay. I plugged oh this into the wall around six, six thirty mm-hmm. last night. I then go downstairs. Yes. So I'm by myself with the kids. Ashley's at work. I do dinner with the kids and all that. You know, you get them all ready for bed. They all went to bed so early because they're tired. And also Adeline had a dance, her first dance competition on Sunday morning. Right. So okay. she even went to bed early. I got them all in bed in bed before 830. Amazing. Couldn't believe it. I go downstairs. I'm like, what am I going to do? I turn on Netflix. I'm starting to watch a documentary. It's about the greatest night of pop. And it has uh, Michael Jackson and all these pop stars from the 80s. And it's really good. I'm eating my own dinner. Finally, I am enjoying <laughs> myself. And then all of a sudden I hear 
a crashing noise in the house. And I can't even tell you where it is, but a crashing noise. And the best way for me to describe this is imagine you're at the grocery store and you have your shopping cart and you throw it into the shopping cart corral and it hits the other carts and all that metal just goes yeah. crashing, right? Oh yeah. That's, That's what a I very heard. distinct sound. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I actually like get up and I'm like, all right, what did the cat get into? It sounds like the cat might have like jumped on something and knocked everything over. And I go into the mm-hmm. kitchen, I'm like, there's nothing. I thought it came from the kitchen. There's nothing there. And then I go to the living room and I see my cat outside the window like hey can you let me in and I'm thinking cat's outside what the heck in my house Uh just fell I let the cat in I start walking upstairs and instantly when I hit the top of the stairs my fire alarm goes off and it starts saying fire fire I'm like what oh no I hit the top of the stairs and I can look to my left in the bathroom door and I see four foot flames in the bathroom between the Holy crack shit. of the door. I can just see it from the crack of the door. <gasps> I go more in. I open the door. Now the door was open, but I pushed it more. And I'm like, oh, my God, my house is on fire. Oh, my God. Like, like we're talking legit flames. Yeah. Right. So first thing I did was I got like this look of it. And then I'm like, OK, kids, I open. You gotta I open into action, though. Holy shit. I open the door to Adeline's room, which is just across the hall. And she is awake. She knows something's going on. I go, get out of bed right now. Go downstairs. I go, I go to the boys' room, and their room is next to the bathroom. So the, the wall on fire is between the bathroom and the boys' room. And I scoop both of them up with both arms, and I run them downstairs. And they're like, well, they're, they, they were dead asleep. They had no clue what was yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, and I told Adeline, take the boys. Stay right here. And I gr- run to the kitchen. I grabbed the pot and filled it up with water. Now, I don't even know if that's what I should have done. And as it's filling with water, I go, stay here. Tell me when this is full because it's going to take a while. It's a big pot. I run back upstairs yeah. and the flames are now not as tall as they were. But I grab a towel and I go into the bathroom and I look and the entire ironing board that's hanging on the door is lit in flames. And so I take the towel and I start smacking it and the smacking's not working. So then I kind of roll the towel up and I kind of rub the towel back and forth. I'm trying to get the yeah. fire out. And then all of a sudden, Adeline's at the top of the stairs. I'm like, what are you doing? And she goes, here's the water. I'm like, okay, you know, but I. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's scary, though. You don't want her anywhere near that. But not only that, I got to back up. I actually closed the door that's on fire. with, Right. So when she's like, dad, I'm up here. I grabbed the door handle. Boom. So now my hand's burning because it was super hot. Mm -hmm. The first thing that went through my mind was I'm trapped in the fucking bathroom. Oh. Because I'm looking at the door lit in flames. And the only thing for me to get out, like we have a tiny window. I'm like, I'm stuck in the bathroom that's on fire. And Adeline's right on the other side. So I actually take the towel with my hand to open the door. Not a problem. She gives it to me. Go back downstairs. I'll be down in 30 seconds. I was 30 seconds away from running back downstairs, grabbing the kids, running across the street with them to Joe and Gussie's house. And watching my mm-hmm. house burn. Oh my God. But as I grab, grab this water, this fire went from four foot high flames to maybe a couple different spots. And uh-huh. the ironing board, basically, it the ironing board is a metal ironing board. That was the crashing noise. Oh. But the the cloth on it basically burned the entire cloth. And so as that, as they call it fuel, as that fuel ran out, the fire 
the yeah. fire went away and I threw the pot of water on the door and I filled it up again in the bathroom sink, threw it on one, two more times and the fire was out. Oh my gosh. What? And it was like oh. this crazy 90 seconds. So now I'm finally like there's smoke in the house, all in the upstairs. I'm like waving yeah. the towel, the fire alarm still going off. I'm like, I wonder if fire trucks are going to show up. Like, do they just know they never showed up? I'll get to the firefighters later. Yeah. Now I go back downstairs and the boys in Adeline are all cuddled on the couch. And I'm like, you guys good? And Adeline's like, yeah, I'm just tired. And I was up to about 1130 <laughs> with the boys because it was like they woke up from like a nap almost. Right. Yeah. I finally. But before that, I kind of went up there and I started cleaning up the mess and I'm looking around. And so, again, an electrical device blew up. And I'm not saying the name of the brand yet and everything or the name of any of that. And I will be more transparent mm-hmm. about that later. But right now I'm actually dealing with like not really insurance, but I'm dealing with the company. Try to get something out of this so I can, you know, there's figure out what the hell to do about the damage in your well, house. Well, our good friend Brandon came over today mm-hmm. and I'm like, dude, I just got to go to Home Depot and buy a door. And he goes, no, you have $10,000 worth of damage in your house. Like ten thousand dollars just a door and like I gotta clean this up, the granite and the the vanity. And he was like, Nope. So he he's done a lot for me. Uh he's um because that's his job and he he like showed me everything oh. and he 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 typed up like this is like you gotta do everything from getting the carpets. Like it does smell like smoke up here or just in that area, yeah. but he's like, You gotta get your carpets clean, you gotta clean your walls, you gotta repaint and all this. And he works in that field and I would have never known. So yeah, what a crazy what a crazy I cannot believe that. it felt like minutes. No, it didn't actually, you know, so it just, it happened so fast from the crashing noise. And I'm like, kind of looking around what's going on to all of a sudden, like, Oh my God, my house is on fire. Right. Right. So like, that's just crazy. You, I'm glad you, you tried to put the fire out, but you were ready to leave. I'll if say, it got bad. I, I will actually say this. So oh, the why? fire, I don't know if you'd call it an electrical fire because the device was charging and I put it on the charger Uh two hours before, but the device actually blew up like the lithium battery blew up. So it it wasn't like the cord. No, the cord. No, the cord was fine. Well, I mean, it was fried a little bit, but the, yeah, but it was literally the device. Yeah. So, and I had the fire department come over today and Brandon came over and cause you know, you, now what you're doing is you're getting it all written down in a report because you got to have all this stuff. And everyone said it was yeah. the battery that exploded and it just happened to be the door was pushed up against the vanity. So it was within like six inches of this device that blew up and it caught oh. the ironing board on fire. And so I think I sent you uh, the pictures and I'll post them eventually i don't know if i'll do it this week but the pictures of like the ironing board is all charred up and the door is all charred up and like the door handle is all melted and stuff and there's all this other debris that basically the debris was the cloth from the ironing board that i've swept up and Mm -hmm. the battery and everything else and so yeah it was how's your hand doing my hand's fine my hand's fine i mean well still that was that's scary i mean well yeah that scary (laughs) part was the whole like they always tell you don't touch a door handle. And I touch the door handle. Or do they tell you the opposite? Do they say feel the door handle to know if the fire's on the but I was on the side it, of the fire. Like so when I was stuck. Like feel it. Yeah. yeah. When I was stuck in the bathroom and I wasn't stuck, but for a split second I thought to myself, shit, I'm stuck. Like I just put myself back in danger. And that was mm-hmm. scary. 
for a split second, but yeah. I, I didn't freak out. I just was like, I need to get out. I it's not a, a, an entire wall of flames. I got to run through. I just have to swing this door open and put the fire back over there. And so, yeah, I mean, I was very lucky, but like, what if this happened 30 minutes later? I went to bed. What if like, right. Adeline's been wanting to babysit more. Right. And I, this isn't going to happen anytime soon now, but I've been debating like, well, okay, do you want to babysit for 20 minutes? I'll go run back and forth down the street. Not going to do that. I'm not doing that now. I'm like freaked out. Like she's like, well, you can run and I'll babysit. I'm like, really thought we were going to start doing that. And I'm just not going to do it for a couple more years now. Mm -hmm. Not until the boys can like, no, I get it. Yeah. It's so you always think in life, like that stuff never happens to me. And holy shit. In the past year and a half, I've had my truck stolen and now my house caught on fire. And I drove through a tree with my truck, like a tree just dropped in front of me. Every six months, Let's something's hope that's happening. The last of it, man. That, that's just some shit. I I really hope that you can catch a break. Yeah, I just want to move, awful. get out of this area. But uh, it's not the area. Stuff. I mean, and the house probably was better to be in this area if my house caught on fire. But you know, there's a freaking fire <laughs> hydrant right outside my house. I tell everyone when they drive to my house, just look for the fire hydrant. Like, you don't get that in Sandown where go. I grew up. You just watch it burn i guess so oh man well i'm i'm really glad that you went into action you got it under control that everybody's okay it's you didn't crazy. hurt your hands too badly that's that would have been awful the other but... thing is like so ashley doesn't Damn, look at dude. her phone when she's at work so like a couple times i text her like when tyler cut his chin and i'm like hey so we're at the doctors and tyler's as a bloody chin and yeah this one's a little different it's like so everything's okay everyone's okay Put the house caught on fire. Yeah, that's how you have to preface all that stuff. Everyone's okay. Yeah. Everything's fine. Yeah. Just Yeah. So I <laughs> that's, uh, oh my god. Crazy moments. Wow, crazy dude. moments. So yeah, hopefully so I can crazy. get the door replaced and and um get the smoke smell gone. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, like I used to work for a company that Brandon worked for and I did a bunch of that repair work and it, it was over 10 years ago. So I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, you're right. I remember this smell. I remember going into these houses that burned. And yeah, like uh, like there's it's not cheap to clean this stuff up. So I got to uh, going to be busy the next couple of days dealing with that stuff and figuring it out. It's gotcha. luckily it's just the bathroom and it's like not the yeah, entire lucky. house. <laughs> very lucky. Very fortunate. Like, yes, uh, I, I can add firefighter to my resume. I fought a fire and I won. <laughs> What can't you do, man? Ugh, so. Oh my gosh. I don't even know what I would do. I, I would freak out. We used to have faulty smoke detectors in our house. They were just super old and they would go off for random times just for no reason whatsoever. And they weren't even the ones that would tell you like if, if it was, was a fire or not. And they would go off at like three o'clock in the morning and nothing gets you moving quicker than a smoke alarm. And you don't know why. And it's pitch dark and you're like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. So I can kind of relate. I just haven't had the end result. <laughs> it just had the scared shitless moments. This fire alarm I was actually saying fire. And it crossed my no, mind later good. because I remember in the past, like it would say smoke. Like if it got too smoky in their kitchen or something, it would say smoke. Yep. But it knew yeah. it was a fire. Oh, but that actually. Right. It said fire. It, it can feel the heat then probably, right? It can also do uh it can also do uh carbon monoxide. Yes. 
Yes. We have those that, that do it in the yeah. basement. So but it was crazy. God, you got to love technology for that. It was crazy. So dude. Yeah. It was, uh, what a moment I couldn't, I mean, I slept well, but I was wired for quite a while last night. I was like freaking wired. I, I, that I was just like, I don't know what off. to do. Am I supposed to call the fire department and all this? And so am I supposed to call, like, what am I, should I stay up? I, I remember like thinking with my brain though, as I'm cleaning up, I'm like, this does not go in the trash because it would light up the trash. So I'm purposely taking the debris mm-hmm. and everything I'm putting outside where it's wet and cold and there's kind of snow there too. Uh, cause mm-hmm. I have like a stone patio and it was had snow. So I'm like, I'm, I'm be, I was so cautious about how I cleaned up as well. And I still have, I still have the device. I took pictures. I'll share that later guys. Um, but I've been advised not to talk about the device or the brand name and any of that stuff. So, which is, it's, it's funny. I never thought I'd be in that position. Right. But, uh, this person knew I had this podcast that, you know, is, has millions of listeners. (laughs) Um, but when, when, you never know. when Dale Earnhardt Jr. got into a, his, his plane crashed, right. And his wife and his daughter in it and his dog. Whoa. I don't know if you know this, but, uh, back in 2019, he was in no. a plane crash. They all survived, but the plane exploded like fire and everything. And there's video and he went on his podcast and he just says, guys, I can't even talk about it. So let's not even ask. You know, so I hope, I hope I was able to give you guys the story here, but, uh, we're going to leave the other stuff out um for later but because if they don't pay up we're, we'll blow them up right no i'm kidding we don't want it we don't want to go there so uh i think that's oh, enough man. about that this has been a long intro but we have today a daytona 500 champion on the podcast i love that i i just love that intro i mean do you guys even have any clue who it could be you know some people <laughs> Uh, well, one the wicked teaser. One wicked person teaser. in particular was like, "You're joking! You got a a, a Daytona 500 champion." And I go, "Yeah, I did." Why? Well, yeah. And I go, did. "It's mm-hmm. a team sport. If you're a tire changer on the pit crew and you driver wins the Daytona 500, you won the Daytona 500." He goes, "Oh, yes, we have one of my See, favorite." If you're talking to somebody like me, yeah, it's a <laughs> teaser. It's a pretty like, damn good teaser. I think. Drivers? Holy shit. But we have my friend, Ryan Painter, on the podcast. Ryan lives in North Carolina. He's from the Pennsylvania area. I met him when the two of us were changing tires in NASCAR. We were teammates for a while. We were traveling the country. We were having a blast. He made it a little further than me. Like, he's won at Indianapolis. He's won at Daytona. He has a cup championship. He just won the Xfinity Series championship, too. So, this guy has done quite a bit, and he's also been dabbling lately into big running events and Ironmans and kind of doing it all and the Spartans and all that. He did a crazy Spartan you guys are going to hear about. Like, it's this was fun. This was fun. <laughs> so much to talk about with him. Yeah. <laughs> and I purposely did it this week because this week is the Daytona 500, and I'm pretty excited about it. And I thought it would be a perfect week to have a NASCAR guy on. There you go, dude. Very exciting. I think you enjoyed the interview too because you got to learn a lot about me. So guys, I really hope you enjoy my friend Ryan Painter on the On the Runs podcast. 
Our next guest on the pod is a Daytona 500 champion who's worked with the likes of Tony Stewart and Danica Patrick. He's the owner of Race Roo Fitness. He completed his first Ironman this year, and he is a former teammate of mine from back in our glory days, traveling the country by van, working the minor leagues of NASCAR, trying to make it to the top. I'm super excited to have one of my very good friends on the podcast, Ryan Painter. Welcome to the On The Runs podcast. What's up, buddy? Oh, man. Thanks. Uh you make me sound a lot more interesting than I think I am, but it's uh, it's good to be on here, man. I'm really excited to talk to y'all. I've been looking forward to talking to you for a long time, honestly. I am totally going to tease this in the tros when we record tonight. This will drop in two weeks, so we're two weeks ahead of time. I'm going to be like, we just talked to a Daytona 500 champion, and people are going to be like, who did they get on? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be thinking drivers. No, I was definitely part of the team. I was definitely there. I definitely got to celebrate. I was not the driver, but I was the hose puller, so I'm sure there's a ton of jokes you can make off of that. But uh, yeah, my job uh, that whole year, I was I was a backup uh, tire changer, but my job for most of the Sundays was uh, during the pit stops. I was yanking hoses. the hose to make sure yanking hoses, making sure it wasn't get caught in under people's legs. The, the jokes are just writing themselves. <laughs> I'm glad you said it and I didn't have to, but oh, I mean, you have to, ad- you have to admit the crew, you can't get anywhere without your crew. So you earned that win just as much as anybody else. Good for you. Yeah. Super cool Thank to you. have you. <laughs> you get a ring too. You get like a Daytona 500 championship ring. You have that, right? You haven't sold on an eBay yeah. yet. Yeah. And so the trick is, so I've got, uh, I would never sell that. Um, I've got a Daytona 500 ring, a Brickyard 400 ring, championship ring, and soon to be an Xfinity Series championship ring. So I'm uh, collecting myself, uh, getting myself a little collection. Very cool. Very, very cool. So I I can't say I know a whole lot about NASCAR and the Daytona 500 and all those races. So I can't wait to kind of dig in and hear more about those. But I'm very curious, how did you guys wind up meeting? It was through NASCAR like to begin with, or who wants to give the uh I'm gonna let Ryan get the met? story. I want to hear Ryan's yeah, yeah. version of me. Well, so so one of my first memories of Newt I had is hair honestly, so not much. No you and me, you know, the no hair club bud. Yeah. <laughs> um uh one of the first things I really remember is after a practice, so me and him met at uh, it was the pit, pit school that we went to. Um, he came up out of uh, the intro program, which was Pit Crew U. Um, I had already been there for uh, a year and a half or so. And uh, so one night after practice, we got into 5 off 5 on. He was pretty fresh into it. And after practice, we all went out to a pizza place down here called CC's. And uh, the, one of the first things that I remember is we went there. And then there's this dude here who's asking at it's a pizza buffet and he's asking to get special pizza with no cheese. And I'm just like, what? who <laughs> goes to a pizza buffet and then come to find out he uh, not a big fan of the cheese. So um, and then you look over there and not only is he eating this no cheese pizza at a pizza buffet, but he pops his retainer out. And, you know, I have a history growing up of uh, losing all kinds of retainers. So I'm like, maybe this is how I can connect to this guy. Oh, no, those are his teeth. <laughs> I am I, loving I, I don't do that often. Something must have got stuck in there. There is definitely no girls around. So I would have taken it out and cleaned it. If there was a girl there, I would have been like, all right, I got to go to the bathroom and take care of this. 
So at the risk of getting too far ahead of ourselves, I want I do want to share one of my favorite Eric Newton stories. And this one just sticks in my head over everything else. This is one of the, the most iconic Eric Knutin stories. So we were going to New Jersey for a race one year. This is back when we were doing ARCA series. Um, I believe you were on Rob's car still, and I was on the uh, the Craig Goes car. Okay. I believe. But we all show up to leave because, you know, we all had the common meeting place. We all jump into the van, and we all show up, and Eric shows up, and he's got a paddle. <laughs> And I'm, we're all like, what, Newt, what are you doing with the paddle? And he's like, don't worry about it. Trust me. Like, just, just believe me. So, and this is just iconic. We're, we're going up. I, uh, what was it? Is it nine, I 95 up to New Jersey. And all of a sudden, you know, we're all sitting there and you just kind of goofing off, playing on phones or PFPs or whatever we have. And all of a sudden Newt goes, Oh, 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 I think it was Bordeaux. Bordeaux, speed up, speed up, speed up. Next thing I know, Eric is out the window with this paddle rowing <laughs> and the reason is because we passed this girl who was pretty attractive in a car it's, we, he's paddling along paddling along gets up beside her and starts waving at her sure enough he gets her phone number and they start texting for the rest of the drive so you want to know something <laughs> funny i'm still today facebook friends with her that doesn't surprise me yes <laughs> i am i mean we, we don't talk <laughs> but i see what's going on in her life from time to time and that yes, I love to have fun on the road. And I remember I had mm-hmm. like a it was an orange paddle retractable and I would yep. hang out the passenger side of the van paddling. <laughs> it was it was I'm, perfect. I'm really glad you clarified because I was like, okay, this could be one of two things, like an actual or or <laughs> it could be one of those like frat boy paddles and he's mm. gonna go whooping one of you guys. So that I was not expecting that whatsoever. <laughs> I am so happy you remembered that. You he he goes, I have a story in the email. I have a story I can't wait to tell him like, oh God, this could be embarrassing. What's well, even better because there I don't know if the video it's it's I'm sure it's around somewhere. But so New Jersey, I'm from Pennsylvania, so my parents actually went to that race and Back at the time, I, you know, I'd see him every six months or so. And so we're leaving. And I was I was always the kid that every time I leave my parents, even five, six, seven years later, I'm just like. So we're getting in the car afterwards and I'm all emotional because I'd seen him for a few hours and we're leaving. And he's over here partying. They're playing Miley Cyrus party in the USA. And Eric's dancing around with this paddle. Shaking around, I'm getting in the van. He's over here, like, lot. smacking me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's 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 as a uh, that's pretty much a crash course in our uh, travel affairs. I I that's liked, also Eric in a nutshell. <laughs> exactly. I like to have fun, especially with the guys and hanging out on the road, road trips. Love to have fun. Like then yes. social media then wasn't what it is today. Mm-hmm. I still would probably be the same way if I was like 23 years old and just having fun yeah. with a paddle in a Wendy's parking lot, dancing to Miley Cyrus and, and getting girls phone numbers because I'm being a goofball in the van. And they loved it. They loved it. We would have, we would have signs like a uh, paper and we would write hi and flip it. How are you? Uh, what are you doing today? Whatever. We would, we, and and <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> we were respectful. I think we just wanted to entertain people and have yeah. a good time. Most of us, most of us, were. most of us. Yeah. I was usually that I was very, I was much more shy, reserved, hanging in the back. And, you know, we had a couple guys like Eric who were, were much more out, out front than me. 
So, so to so to back up, Ryan and I both had this dream of working in NASCAR. We both achieved that dream. One of us went much mm-hmm. further than the other. But right after college, when I was with you, Erica, living in college and just having fun, I moved. Most people know this, but I moved down to North Carolina and I chased this dream. And I met Ryan, and mm-hmm. Ryan and I got to hang out a lot for the better part of three seasons. We weren't always on the same team, but the, our pit crews traveled together. So we'd be maybe three pit crews would be traveling together by van and stuff because cost savings and everything like that. And that's how yeah. we got to hang out a lot. And occasionally we did. Do you remember your first nationwide series race, Ryan? Yes. You talking about Talladega? Talladega. Morgan Shepard in the Ride with Jesus car. <laughs> yes. Uh, the funny thing it was, was about the, that one is uh, I actually went to Bristol a few weeks a um, month or so before and had gone up to them and they were like, yeah, we might need somebody um, because I was supposed to pit for Archie's car. Uh, they didn't make the race. So then someone was like, go talk to uh, Morgan Shepard. And they're like, oh, we're not going to run. And then they ended up running, just didn't hire us to do that race. So then I'm like, ah, screw those guys. I'll never work for him. And every time in NASCAR, it seems like every time you say screw that person or that person's an idiot or whatever, you end up working with that person or becoming BFFs with that person. So sure enough, uh, it was, I mean, we actually got the call the night before, the night before we had the leave yes, because we, it was a rain. We drove in my car down to Talladega. We left at yep. like three in the morning and pitted yep. the, the ride of Jesus car. And it was like, you and I were like the only pit crew on the car at the time. It was like us and Joe Schmo, some mechanic from the team. They're just, just trying the mechanic, to, yeah. They were just trying to make it through the entire race, Erica. They had something back then called park uh, start and parks, where they just start okay. the race and then they park it within 10 laps and collect last place money. And you don't spend a lot of money to run the entire race, but you, you actually still make a profit. Okay. They wanted to run the entire race, so they needed guys to change tires. So like they paid us maybe maybe $300 to do it. And our gas. Yeah, 300 tops, 300 tops. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> You can make a lot of money in NASCAR, but working your way up the ranks, you're not making a lot of money. So you guys yeah, were starting it's, it's at the very, the very bottom, right? You yeah. guys were like... Oh, we're yeah. minor okay. leaguers, but we had fun so, in the minor leagues. You guys need to fill yeah. me in on this, because... So you mentioned that you guys had to go to a pit school for this, like, in order to... So how did you even get into this? Is it just, like, an application, or is it the, is it hard to get into pit school? Like, give me the ins and outs of this. Like, I, I'm kind of so, curious. So to just kind of back up and give you a little bit about who I am. So I'm originally from York, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. so I'm a, not as far of a Yankee as y'all. Um, I'm actually pretty close to Maryland, so right on that line. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was in, I was a senior in high school. Actually, maybe it was a, maybe it was 11th grade, but I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. I was thinking about maybe becoming a, like an auto mechanic or just following my dad and becoming an electrician. And in Woodshop one day, uh, this school came in and showed their things. And it's like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. NASCAR technical Institute. Now I grew up, mm. I mean, I don't remember not being a NASCAR fan this all the time, every Sunday, that's what was on just talked about it all the time. And so it was like the lights all just like, here's your path. Mm -hmm. And so from that day on, it was always going to move down to Mooresville, North Carolina and go to NASCAR technical Institute, which is it really by name it's associated with NASCAR, but it's really more of an auto, like just learn to work at a dealership kind of place. Mm -hmm. And that's where most people go. Um, But I just, I always had a one track mind. um, So I went there Uh, It was about a year and a half, almost two years that 
I went through that school while I was there. The building literally right next door is this place called uh, Five Off Five On. And uh, it's it's essentially was a pit school and it was much, much bigger at the time. But once I kind of learned what that was, I started going to there as well. And it's instead of having your, you know, weekly bowling nights, every Tuesday we had practice and every Thursday we had live pit stops. And so that's kind of how I got into it. And I know Eric was kind of the same. He he kind of just drove down through the night and uh, just kind of started going there. I don't know how you found out about 5 all 5 one I found um, out. That's kind of how I got into it. Yeah, I found out when I was a senior in high school, but I still went to college. Mom was mom and dad were like, you got to go mm-hmm. to college. And so I go to college and my senior year of college, it was like, uh, what are you going to do in your life career class? And are you going to go to grad school or whatever? So I said, I'm going to go to this school. And I remember having friends, I'm going to call you out, Brian Payne, multiple times told me, you're not never going to do that. You're never going to make it. Who does something like that? I wanted, when I learned about this school, I wanted to be on a pit crew. Like I wasn't going to play professional sports. This was the closest I could get to professional sports. I saved all my money working at the Lucky Dog. And I had a class in the month of November, December. So these classes, Pit Crew U, were two months long, two or three nights a week. And it costs like a little under three grand or maybe a little over three grand. Yes, I drove mm-hmm. through the night and I got a place on roommates.com. I slept on an air mattress for months. I went to the school. I was able to transfer my job from Sunglass Hut in New Hampshire to Sunglass Hut at the Concord Mills Mall and keep working. And right away, I kind of fit in. I had the athletic ability. A lot of guys in my class did not. I was in a class of 12. I only think two of us ever went to actually like work in NASCAR, me being one of the two. And so then I advanced to five off, five on and where I met Ryan. And we started like I did my first ARCA series race one month after graduating from Pit Crew U. Yeah. Which I don't. Did that happen a lot back then? Uh, No, because when I first went through. So I went in 2007. And so I started in May and started five off five on over the summer. And I didn't actually have my first race until the next fall. Almost it was Chicagoland the next fall. And there was just so many people at the time. I mean, we were having 50 people show up a night uh, at the time. And so maybe had one or two deals amongst the whole school. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even then it was, it was even below the minor leagues that me and Eric normally did. Mm-hmm. Um, was the only team going through at the time. So when Eric came through, they actually were able to get uh, two teams in what's called the ARCA series, which is that not the you know rec league where you don't get paid, but it's like uh-huh. one league up from that. So they secured two teams and actually for Daytona, which is always bigger, they got a handful more teams. And so you actually got to go to Daytona that year. I didn't yeah. get to go because my car didn't make it. Yeah, you didn't qualify. So so the whole pit crew you, Erica, or the five off, five on, you're kind of like a free agent when you go there. You pay them a membership yeah. to go and practice and they coach and train you. Mm-hmm. They will try to find teams to work within their school, their system, and hire guys out. But also pit crew coaches for Joe Gibbs Racing, Hendrick Motorsports, mm-hmm. whoever, Richard Childress, they might come and they might look at some people and be like, I like this guy. Why don't you come up to our shop and practice? Because the pit crews, I know nothing about cars. I, I can change my oil. That's about it. The pit crews are athletes. They're former Division One college athletes. And they try to get those guys because they know how to perform under pressure and do these pit stops oh. in now under 10 seconds. 
And so you're going there and you're kind of like the free agent and we were free agents and the school was trying to find teams at the time. Their their model was kind of based off of, hey, do you want us to supply you with a pit crew that we will train and, and, and groom here and they'll practice here and then we'll send them to the race and pit your race car? Yes, that's what we did for that year until we bailed on them a couple yep. months later and started our own thing. But that was a fun mm. adventure too. Yeah. <laughs> All I'll say, you and I did it right. Of of the twelve guys who left, ten of the twelve were just like, see you later. And you and I, I think, went in there and we talked to Adam and the people and we're like, Hey, we gotta take this opportunity, but we appreciate everything you guys did. And we actually finished out like our membership that month, if you remember. Yeah. And we were still yeah. welcome to come back and practice and be a part of it. And they didn't like they didn't like minimize us at all. Yeah. Knowing we we're leaving. They let us be still a big part of the program. And we and we told them it was like Hey, the deal's leaving. We're on the deal. That's the only reason we're leaving. And, you know, we went, it, it ended up being for the best, I feel like, because DJ had the, the bigger thing yeah. at the time. There was a pit crew coach at our school. His name was DJ. And he left because he had all these in, all these visions of what he wanted to, it to become. And mm. the school was like, no, that's not how we operate. We don't want to do it that way because of the dollars and everything, and the dollars and the whatever. So DJ left. And then DJ, a couple guys went to him and said, we don't like it here. So DJ started his own thing and we went with oh. him and we had, uh, that, you know, honestly, it was a lot of fun. We we're trying to grow a brand of business. We, we, it was, mm-hmm. it was a learning process. Like a lot of the things I learned from that, I can take today into my life. And even with this podcast and Ryan, probably with your business. So it was, it was worth it. But we also left with a door still open to come back if we wanted to go back. Yeah. That's how you want to leave things. You, you don't want to burn any bridges on your way out. So you guys, you guys kept them up. That's good. Yeah. Well, I tried to go back then a few years later when the the place we went to shut down, and they're like, mm, "No, oh. bye." Oh, really? So, yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. Well, Hello. That, but then <laughs> I ended up filling in on Red Horse for a few races, and then I did the last five races before they shut it down. So karma, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> You'll learn in NASCAR. There's a lot of. I don't want to call it backstabbing, but just a, a lot of people don't like us Northerners. Some underhandedness, maybe? Yeah. Yes. But then... That's drama. Yo, know, there is a ton, and you should watch the Netflix series, Erica, that we were talking about. Before you jumped on, Ryan, she's like, NASCAR, meh, I like F1. I'm like, how do you like F1? I just it's don't so know much about NASCAR, so, so I gotta... She, I, I actually would watch that, because I kind of like how they dramatize it a little bit more. Yeah. It, it draws you in. So, I mean, somebody coming from the outside who's not so used to it... That's what I would watch, and it would get me into it normally. Yeah. So. so she goes, yeah. I like F1 because of the Netflix show. I go, well, lucky for you, there's a new Netflix show following NASCAR. <laughs> just basically, yeah. Netflix is doing the same thing, um, yeah. which I've yet to see, but I'm sure it'll it's be pretty good. pretty smart. Yeah. So, Ryan. I, I like F1, too. I mean, I work for Stuart Haas Racing, so um, that's the other ability, cool. but, you know. <laughs> very cool. Let's talk more NASCAR later. We can get into our wins and our injuries and getting run over by race cars. And you can tell me what victory lane is like at Daytona. But let's talk a little more about you. Tell us about where you're from, what you did like as for sports and stuff, what I don't know about you from your childhood. And then let's get into fitness because I remember you're like a big track star in school. Didn't you do like the uh, the. Oh, my God. What's it called? Where you have to carry the big pole and you you jump over the bar. Yeah. No, uh, wow, long I'm, jump? I'm a host puller and carrying a big pole. I'm really liking where this is going. Yes. Yeah. So 
like I said, I grew up in York, Pennsylvania, which is, you know, the southern south, south of Harrisburg. So kind of close to the Maryland line. Um, I actually more associate with Baltimore than I do with the, the you know, Philly or Pittsburgh. Um, so growing up, I did all kinds of sports. And I feel like that's how you should, if you're trying to be athletic, that's what you should be. You should train in a plethora of sports, not just focus on one thing. Um, did soccer and baseball and things like that growing up. But when I got to high school, um, I kind of fell in love with track, uh, specifically throwing, which you can't tell like this. I'm, I'm kind of short and I'm not, I was not as stocky as I am now. So whenever I was showing up, I was always way smaller than everyone else. So discus, shot put, um, when I got to high school, javelin, uh, and then, um, my wrestle, one of my wrestling coaches actually did pole vault, uh, coach. And so I decided to do that. And, uh, I did wrestling up until my senior year kind of fizzled out on that and ended up doing cross country, uh, the last two years of school. I only got into it at first to really get in shape for, uh, for wrestling, kind of like Newt did with hockey. He calls me Newt. Did you hear that? He calls me Newt. I did. Not many That's people outside of Plymouth too. call me Newt. I like it. OG, OG's got to call him that. He's that oh. that that shows right there. He's one of my true friends. Absolutely. So uh, for wrestling, I, I I actually lost the match and was really really ticked off and uh, went to one of the guys that did cross country and started talking to him about it and was like, "Well, I'm going to do that next year." And got into it and our wrestling team sucked. Like we were really bad. Uh, me and one other, one or two other guys were really the only decent people. And I say decent, I would not consider myself good, but I was okay. Um, but our cross country team was legendary, like mm-hmm. always at that state level. So getting on that team and running on that team for 11th grade, I was kind of right at that like seventh man kind of thing. So right on that, like starting lineup kind of, uh, area, um, went to districts and we didn't perform at districts, but we qualified to go to States and it's kind of the same thing. We weren't where we expected to be, but I think both we finished third in districts and I want to say sixth or something like that in States. And so that was like, we were all ticked off that year. And so then the (laughs) next year we came back one districts and uh, I think we finished like third or fourth in states and so even then we were ticked off so that program was just way better and so um wrestling was fun i did enjoy it but i just by the time i got to the senior year it was just kind of fizzled out on it just didn't like the not eating kind of aspect of it and it's just the season drug out so long um and especially my senior year i was very focused on you know what was next going to uh going to college nascar tech and uh as far as sports going, I was really focused on track because I really believed in my heart of hearts that year that I could set the uh, school record for discus because I was a pretty good discus star. And I came within like 10 feet of it. I think I was told I was the closest person to do that since like 1970 something. Nice. So I, especially for being fairly short and every time I show up, I mean, I showed up to the county meet. And everybody else are these huge boulders. And I was very, very small compared to everyone else. So couldn't complain about that. Um, pole vault, the highest I got was like 12.5, which 
Pole vault. That was you, the you one where you hold the pole. Yeah. I said long jump before and I was like, wait, it's high jump. And then that's not even it. <laughs> I'm just out. <laughs> it's wow. too bad. We're it's too to... bad. Riverside's not working. Cause I was doing pole vault where you hold the two hands <laughs> on the pole. <laughs> this is great. X-rated podcast. So much innuendo in this episode. Oh my god! I love, I love it. That's great. Uh, <laughs> as we're talking about my sports, you kind of you kind of get the idea. Of, like I'm not exceptional at everything, but I kind of consider myself like a seventy percent athlete at most things. Like I'm pretty good, but not like top tier. So, um, but you yeah, the, you got the, the competitive drive. You're a competitor, right? yeah. And you know, so when it came to that senior year in track, I didn't quite hit my goals, but kind of like looking back on it, everything was, it was all like, okay. You know, everything was like, (laughs) "Eh, it's nothing to scoff about. Just, I set really, really high expectations of myself and and didn't quite meet them, but it's kind of like, you did pretty good for, I think most people would consider it was, it was something to be proud of, you know? Mm -hmm. So that, that was the sports I did. And then obviously you know, went. You moved to North Carolina right after high school, right? Yeah, a uh, few months after graduating. You when did you graduate? Oh seven. Two thousand six. Two thousand six. So you go to North Carolina right after you. You do the NASCAR schools. You're trying to get on pit road. You're working at Cracker Barrel. You're the cook. You meet your wife there. She's a waitress. You're you're just you're grinding and you're grinding during those years. Is like just the NASCAR stuff your only type of fitness you're getting in, or are you doing other things like other races or running and things to stay in shape? Eventually, when we went over to DJ's place, um, I started going to the gym a little bit more often. Um, just kind of following like CrossFit. I wasn't really doing any kind of, you know, 5Ks or anything structured like that. It was just kind of doing the dot com stuff on CrossFit and then, you know, running back and forth between work and, uh, going and practicing just seven days a week all the time. It was a so grind. Nothing specific. Grinding. It really is. Yeah. Sounds like well, it. I don't know if you remember this. There was plenty of times that we would actually show back up from a race. We would drive through the night on a Saturday night and park the van. And I would get in my car and drive immediately to Cracker Barrel because I was working the next day. Oh. So that <laughs> the, the grind was, uh, was real that time yeah. at that time. We were doing what we could to make the dream. Like we would, Mm-hmm. drive through all the way through the night like i was working weird shifts he was he was working worst weird shifts it mm. was um doing whatever you could to make that dollar to make that dough and to yeah. also go because we're going to like we're driving 12 hours in a van to like salem indiana or maybe even chicago and something to do an arca race to make 200 dollars. 200 bucks and we're wow. gone like we're gone for 36 hours and you could you probably made more than $200 in a shift at Cracker Barrel or in that time, at least. And you didn't have to travel. And like we had to buy food and everything. The only thing they yeah. paid for was our hotel. If we got a hotel and the gas. We're crammed in a 12-passenger van. But we had fun because we brought paddles and we, uh, you know, we had fun. <laughs> right. We had fun. So this was all just to pay your dues, pretty much. Like you're trying yeah. to work your yeah. way up. Okay. Yeah. It was It was when you're at that level, it's, it's not about really the money. I mean, mm-hmm. You're not, we're going to cracker. I wasn't going to make 200 bucks in a day because I was a cook. So, um, you know, that was kind of nice, but then you have to come home and grind it out because yeah. 200 bucks is not enough to live off of by any means. This is the perfect time for me to say this, this part of the sport. Ryan and I came from, you know, we're hardworking guys. We've had to make our own do right. Many of the guys we worked with and they're good. They're great people. 
I really loved, I, I still love them all, friends with them all. I felt like many of them had it easier financially than we did. We we were working all the time. We were trying, and not that they weren't, but I kind of mm-hmm. feel like they had they had revenue coming in from mom and dad already. Oh, so they didn't quite have to do the grind as hard as you right. guys. Like they, they were still doing in, the same stuff, but just not the the after hours. Stuff right. That you they guys lived were doing. in nice yeah. places and they had nice things. And we're here, you know, I'm driving around in my GMC Yukon with no air conditioning, changing through three t shirts a day because I'm sweating my ass off in the car. Ryan has, I forget what you had, but I remember you were always saving money to get a motorcycle. That was like your dream for a while. I hope you still have one. Um, I do. And like, like these guys, I love them. And I know a couple of them had to really work hard and some of them had, there's the bike. (laughs) Is that the same bike? Yeah. And Hmm. I'm not talking about everyone else outside of Ryan and myself. Some other guys had to work really hard and they maybe had already full-time jobs at a race shop. So that wasn't an in, but it was like just helpful for them in the sport. We had to bust our tails, man. And that's part, part of the reason I moved back home, but that's for later. Yeah, well, I mean, you're going to find out as we talk that I have this disease called stupidity and I don't know when to stop. So, <laughs> I mean, it, I think it it wasn't I, I don't think I was ever bad off um, and I always had plenty of support behind me if I ever needed it. But I always I want to like, say I, I did. Can too. I get a little bit more? Can I get a little bit more? Can I get a little bit more? And, you know, so I, I, even if I didn't need to, I was always grinding. It was just kind of how I mentally the approached work it at the have. time. And yeah. It was, it was sometimes it was definitely overkill for me looking back. I could have breathed a little bit easier a lot of times, but uh, yeah, I just, I just kept the foot on the loud pedal as much as I could. There's so (laughs) many stories about the things we did, like sleeping on a couch to get, make your way to another racetrack to make some more money. The thing, like I, I rode in a hauler 36 hours home from Kansas once just to stick around and do one extra race. There's so many things we did to try to make it. And there's so many stories like that out there. We could go on and on for days about those stories. But uh, basically, we were grinding. We we're trying to make the dream. And like I said, someone's still living the dream. <laughs> yeah. But before we go too far, I do I do another Eric story, especially from that yeah. first year. Because that first year, he – so even to, to this day, me and Newt worked on the same team for basically a year. It was – pretty much all ARCA races and then a few races scattered here and there, but he's always been my Jackman. He's I never jack not man. been my Jackman. Yeah. So that first year we, I mean, I'm sure he can bring up some pictures. He took the nuts off and I jacked it up. <laughs> you jacked it up and you pulled the rubber. <laughs> no, you pulled the rubber. <laughs> no, you pulled it on the, on the one side you pulled. Then I had to pull the other side. That's how it was back. Oh, you, you were both I, yanking the rubber. Is that what it was? I'm thinking yes, the rubber you? that you put in the shock in the, in the suspension, you know, you put oh, a rubber in or you take a rubber a out. Different rubber. Yeah. That different, different rubber. That was the compressor. No, he's rubber. pulling hoses. He's yanking hoses. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I don't know what any of this means. It's even, like, it's even going to get worse. If you can find some of these pictures, I know we both probably have them somewhere. I, I've already looked at them all today. <laughs> we, so we had these, fire suits at the time that I, you, I don't even think you'd call them. They were more like napkins, but they were these one piece fire suits and they were just like garbage suits. And I don't think that they were any more thick than this. It was, I, I don't think they would have stopped a fire. <laughs> so, but we were at DeCoin 
which is oh, yes! a dirt truck. Yes, you know exactly. Oh, this is one of the worst moments of my so life. So we're at DeCoin, and this is a, it's a literal state fairgrounds, literal state fairgrounds. And it's a, a dirt track, which is iconic. I mean, uh, ARCA is known for doing two dirt races a year. So, but the pit road there is tiny. Behind the pit wall, there's no pit wall. So behind your pit area, you have your box. Behind your pit area is a body of water, right? Oh. <laughs> like Because they do, in the infield there, they do like jet ski races and boat races and stuff like that. So we do a pit stop. Yeah, there's... <laughs> so we do a pit stop. And we get up. And I turn around after we, you know, putting everything back together and reorganizing. I turn around and there's Eric with his fire suit halfway down, like standing basically in his boxers. I'm like... What are you doing? Well, it turns out he got doused with fuel. And so all the fuel is on his thin as crap fire suit. And he is getting burnt to his to his core. So he whipped his fire suit off. And I'm pretty sure he went down into the water and was like scooping himself off. I because he got burnt so bad. And do you remember what was the chemical we used? SD20? SD20. And in Which one- I would not spray that on anything because that stuff is so potent. I, mm, you might want to get yourself checked. Hey, well, it's <laughs> oh been it's been a while, but they're dousing me with it, and it was so relieving at the time. It's just like keep it coming, yeah. keep it coming, because yes, I was burning, and if you remember, I drove the entire way home because I couldn't sit back in a seat. So I drove with my <laughs> arms up on the uh, steering wheel and my back off the seat because I burn. It, I actually have no scars from this, right? It was just this burning sensation the entire time because what happened was our car got in a wreck and we're trying to fix it and I'm right near the fuel tank and our fuel our fueler decides to be this smart guy. He goes, I'm going to put more gas in it and he turns around because there's not much room and the nozzle of the fuel, here's a picture, you can see the red fuel can. Yeah. The nozzle hits my back and it just starts pouring and dumping all over me, probably three gallons worth because that thing dumps at like record speeds. Wow. All over me. And I just like freak out and I run back and I'm like, oh my, I thought I was on fire. I was not on fire. I thought I was, but yeah, we had fun since I got the pictures up. Here's some photos. That's me jacking the car up and that's Ryan in the red helmet pulling the rubber. We got, uh, oh, that's me and my parents. There's Rob in the hall. These are all. So I went to Facebook and I just went see friendship with, with Ryan you can tell how old these are. These are from 2009, but you, you can tell because look how small the photo is. Um, yeah, we had. I'll a t- have to have you show me these later because I, I don't want to get super up close to the camera trying to see these. Here's one photo I'm going to show you right now. This is one of my favorites. I won my first and only race at Pocono, and the first person to congratulate me was Mr. Ryan Painter, and he came running over from a few stalls <laughs> down, and... It's it's funny because he jumped up because he's shorter and I'm pu- I'm holding him in the air. He's like, yes, because we're celebrating on pit road. And yeah, that was a ton of fun. My first and only win. So if you remember, that was the, well, fall race. It was the second Pocono race in the spring. I had won. Yeah, you won the spring race. It was my first race. So it was it was kind of like we both got it, the same, you know, kind of the same time. But man, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I. I was happy for you, but at the same time, because I'm from Pennsylvania, that was that was kind of had this. You had to I had to suck it up and go down there and just congratulate you guys. And I was happy for you guys. But every time I've gone to Pocono before or since, 
and not one. I always kind of leave there with my head kind of down because that place is just so special to me. But man, it was so cool seeing you guys finally get one. Yeah, this is, I think we did our first ever truck race together too. Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. That's a pitch. So we did our first ever truck race and Xfinity. Now it was nationwide then race together at the same time. Yep. Yep. This is just turning into yeah. the on the runs NASCAR <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we could talk a lot more NASCAR for as long as we want later in our lives on pit road. But at some point after I left, after I got run over by a race car and injured and broke and came back home and got a real job with health benefits. Yep. <laughs> some point during the, uh, some point after that, you got into Ironmans and triathlons and running Spartan races and ultra marathons, or maybe not an ultra marathon, but the crazy races. And you started something called Raceroo Fitness. Tell me, give me the timeline of, of this whole, um, we say we keep doing stupid things. Give me a timeline of all this stupidity of fun. <laughs> well, so for the most part, you know, I was just kind of doing the racing thing up until, uh, well, 2018. And we got to talk about that one because I'm pretty sure I'm the only person to get fired off of uh, running a half marathon, but we'll come back to that one later. Um, but Whoa. 2019, yeah, I had been at Stuart Haas for four years. I went to Roush and then I came back to Stuart Haas, but um, I came back in a lesser role. And so I was kind of trying to supplement my income because I came back at a much lower pay scale. And so um, I went to the Y and started teaching group fitness classes. And so, you know, that was 2019. I started doing that. 2020, everything shut down. Mm-hmm. And so while everything was shut down, I was still kind of helping out at the Y, um, just doing little classes here or there so they could do some virtual things. Um, and in the middle of that, you know, we we did eventually start going back and doing outdoor classes. Um, but I did start kind of building a a brand with racer fitness. And so the, how I got that name is my wife, Jenny has pet names for everybody. And so long, long time ago, when we first got together, eventually we said, we had some hashing out on this, but eventually she settled on, I was a kangaroo. Everybody has an animal. I'm a kangaroo. So because I'm in racing. I'm a kangaroo, racer fitness. Um, now, I never knew that <laughs> because I've been teaching. I, I teach body pump and I teach body combat at the Y. Um, because I do that, I kind of focus mostly on that. But I've always kind of I keep up with my personal training. Uh, I have a NASM certification and I keep up with that. And I listen to a lot of podcasts just to kind of keep as much knowledge as I can because I see what's going on in the world these days and I hear people like the two of you talking about your passion for running. And I kind of want to share it with people who don't have that passion. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how that all started. I've never really done as much as I'd like to with racer Um, just because I stay busy and, you know, teaching at the Y is actually a lot more secure. Um, but it's, it's kind of one of those things I've always had a jump point. Like if I ever wanted to really go into being more of a, personal trainer, full-time kind of thing, or more part-time kind of, I could shift into that if I wanted to. Well, at least with your classes that you're teaching, like you're kind of building a client base. Cause if, if yeah. the people who take your classes really like you, they might be like, Hey, I, I want to do some more with you. Take some more classes, get some training. So that's, that's good. Maybe do it kind of concurrently. 
Yeah, and and the reason I'm actually still doing it, I don't need to teach you the classes anymore, mm-hmm. but I still do it because the members there are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach my the why I teach at is a tiny little one. It's in uh, Davie County, North Carolina. I am smack between the bustling cities of Statesville, uh, North Carolina, and Winston Salem, North Carolina, which probably no one really has heard of them. Um, and Moxville's the tiny town in between them, so not a whole lot of people go to that Y as in comparison to the other ones nearby. That's but fair. I mean, mm. the people that come are just the greatest people. Uh, and you know, they're not there to be super athletes. They're there to, you know, be social, have a good workout and, and mm-hmm. have some fun. And that's actually the more I've been around the fitness thing, the more I've kind of appreciated that kind of mentality is like, you're not out for the go, go, go. You're actually there because, you know, this is, how you like your to do your fitness you like the music you like the people and it, it is a really good environment very nice that's awesome so now this is the fun stuff i'm learning that i don't know about you so i did not know you were doing this at the y <laughs> and that's how race mm-hmm. started at what yep. point did you start going to races and events though because i know you've done quite a few and eventually you got a triathlon bug so yeah i've always kind of had the triathlon thing you know, I've always wanted to do it. And then after kind of taking a step back after I left Roush or after Roush fired me, um, I had more time on my hands because I wasn't traveling quite as much on the weekend. So I started looking at doing more races. And at the time, Ironman, it was, you, you couldn't get into Ironmans. They were just completely sold out all the time. You had to um, sign up right really early. Yeah. So I didn't have great opportunities to do that, but I've always wanted to do triathlons. Um, but I did start getting back into running a little bit more. Uh, in 2018, I wanted to get back into do a half marathon because um, I'd only done one up to that point. I had done it fresh out of cross country. And so I wanted to get back in and do some more of that and uh, save that story for a little bit later on. Um, but eventually went and did that. And then I started running some more of the local races here and there. And you know, last year, I guess now is a good time to jump into the triathlon story. So last Christmas, um, not this past one, uh, 20, what, 2022, my mm-hmm. wife asked me what I wanted for Christmas. And I'm like, you know, I've, I've always wanted to do a, a half Ironman. It's always been kind of a bucket list thing. I want to do that. And so you were like, I watched Newt and he's doing these Ironmans and I want to be yes. more like him. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So, but, you know, I told her this before Christmas and, you know, because you can't tell each other what you're getting. We had to code name it. So instead of it being called a Iron Man, it was always called the Banana Thon, is what she came up with. Instead <laughs> of saying it being an Iron Man, we always called it the Banana Thon. So she was talking about oh, hey, your it. Banana Thon. This so every time she had a question, that's what she was asking. Even to this day, we kind of still call that. But um I told her, yeah, I wanted to do one. And my first one that I was kind of eyeing was the one in Virginia, Roanoke, which probably would not have been a great idea <laughs> because it's a very it's known for being pretty difficult is what I hear. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's more in the middle of the year. So um, I, I had North Carolina, which was in October, gave me some more time. So by this point, I had actually done a virtual one. I just did like in the pool with the Y, jumped off, did the bike, came back and ran. And even that was kind of eye-opening that it's not, <laughs> I have a history of kind of just thinking I'm going to go and casually do these things. And even coming off the bike for that, it was just a virtual sprint. I literally went to stop and just kind of fell over. 
oh. landed on my side. So um, I, I knew I had a lot of work to do to, to kind of get into that, uh, to be able to do a half. So, but I told Jenny, that's what I wanted to do. So we signed me up for it and I started training for it. And I did not consider myself a great swimmer at all. Even the, t- the time when I did that virtual one, I was breaststroking the whole way. I just couldn't, I could not front crawl to save my life one time down and back. So I had a lot to, to do to get that going. Um, signed up for a sprint in May just to kind of shake it out. Like, okay, this is kind of get my feet wet and figure this out. And that was just the worst experience ever because, uh, I, you know, you, you say it all the time. I've heard you guys say it, nothing new on race day. Well, that day I showed up, I had, I had bought a wetsuit because I kind of was not going to do it. And then I saw what the weather was going to be. And I kind of chickened out and got one at the last second, Mm. thought it would be there early in the week. It didn't show up until the night before. So brand new wetsuit, wetsuit had never used a skin, never used a, uh, swim cap, um, never really done open water swimming. And this is in Lake Norman, which is known for being super clean. So it it was definitely an experience to start. And by the way, I woke up that morning with a cold. So there's just nerves. Lots of of things going against you. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of things going against me. So, and you know, first triathlon to boot. Right into the water. And so I had two pairs of goggles. I had a shielded pair and just a regular pair I had bought that was pretty cheap. Well, the shielded pair had been fogging up on me. So I'm like, well, I'm going to use the one that hasn't fogged up on me before we even got the water all fogged up. (laughs) So I couldn't see anything. As I'm trying to swim, I'm realizing that this wetsuit is way too tight and I cannot breathe. Possibly nerves, but I... I literally felt like I was so constricted. I couldn't breathe. So the swim is 750 meters and I don't even know how far I'm out. I can't see, I can't see my hands in front of my face. It's so fogged up. I'm flipping over on my back. Um, just doing backstroke kind of just trying Mm -hmm. to get through it. And eventually I was like, I can't do this. And I pulled my wetsuit off my top just so I could breathe. Mm -hmm. It was that. So Got around the turnaround, I think. I don't even know if I made it all the way around the end. I'm about to cut the course pretty severely. Oh. <laughs> Doggy paddled all the way back in, got out of the water like, yeah, this is going to be pretty interesting uh, trying to get to uh, through 1.2 miles of this if I can't even make 750 meters. But jumped on the bike. That was rough after the swim was that bad. Um, and then kind of limped through the run. So I was kind of going into this like, ooh, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to to do all of this that I'm thinking I'm going to be able to do, but you know, I, I trained real hard. It was a lot of five o'clock in the morning swims and, you know, lunchtime rides, just trying to get everything I could. So the next big barrier I had was, uh, you know, I knew I was going to be swimming in North Carolina in the back bays is where you start in Wrightsville beach. So I love sharks, not super worried about sharks because I know how they are, but I was in Myrtle beach for vacation. And guess what I happened to see while I was fishing off the pier? The first ever shark that I've ever seen just in the ocean. I'm like, Oh, that's a good omen. Wow. So, yeah. And so I'm not really that worried about sharks, but alligators scare the crap out of me. So I have those kind of rumbling around in my head. I'm like, I'm not sure if I can get through 1.2 mile swim to begin with in open water with everything I've ever done so far. Looking um, like a seal so with I, a wetsuit. Yeah. 
yeah, so I, I was really, really worried about all of that. Um, but I knew if I could get out of the water, I think I was like, if I can just get out of the water, I'll be fine. So um, eventually, you know, trained real hard, got up to race day. To, oh, probably should throw this in. Um, I told you I have this thing called stupidity. So I felt like I needed to do a shakedown run beforehand. So as you would, I did a full half marathon the week before my Ironman. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a shakeout run. I just want to do this in like two hours. No big deal. I've never ran slower than two hours. So I, I'm like, I can, this You're will not be alone. fine. No big deal. So I go out the very first couple miles of that. And I'm like, just trying to hang with the two hour pace group. And I do this every time. I'm like, okay, where's the two hour group? Where's the two hour group? Oh, that's the 145 group. And I just kept trying to slow down. <laughs> just kept, I couldn't do it. So eventually I'm like around the halfway point. I just said, screw it just went 144 as you know you should when you're trying to do two hours no big deal so got to race day (laughs) got to race day and i'm I'm actually pretty confident and i'm just like i have the same mentality um i have a different wetsuit i practiced with it a couple times i took it out to an open water area and just kind of Mm. went back and forth a little bit so i'm like i think this is going to be okay um you know got up that morning as I thought I needed to get up really early, but got there and beat pretty much everybody. So it went a lot smoother than I thought it was. I was actually very pleasantly surprised. Um, got to the starting lineup. And then of course you're just sitting there and waiting because they did. I don't know, Eric, was yours a mass start or is it a, on a beat track? It was every four seconds, like four of us, yes. four or five of us. Yeah. Yeah. They, beep track okay that's what we did too and so i put myself i'm thinking for the swim i'm a 42 to 45 minute 1.2 mile swimmer in the pool so i'm like okay i think that that's where i should put myself so they you hear the cannon go off and you're just standing there and i I didn't even get in the water until 45 minutes later and so i think i'm with this group that i'm gonna roll on with and you know just hang with them just get out of the water and I'm worried about it being cold, but the minute I get in the water, I'm like, oh, this is fine. This is good. And I dip my hand underwater and immediately just <laughs> take a mouthful of water. I'm like, oh, crap. Here we go again. But make a, make the turn around the, uh, the dock there. And I, I started feeling really confident immediately. Like, oh, this wetsuit holds me up really nice. I'm propelling really well. And... I I keep getting told that it's a current assisted swim. I don't know. I couldn't really feel, but as I'm going along, I'm like, man, this is, I'm feeling really good. I love the salt water. This is really doing, uh, going well. I am blowing by everybody. Mm. So I'm like, huh, maybe I should slow down. Maybe I'm putting myself in a trap here. Maybe they know something I don't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, I kind of know the layout of the, the map in my head, the way it meanders through the back bay. And so as I'm kind of making a last turn, I'm like, I should be getting really close, but it's just not feel like I should be getting there already. So get out of the water. And eventually I find out that I went 32 minutes on that. So I thought it was like 10 minutes faster than I thought. So either the current was really pushing me really hard, or I just was way faster than I thought, which I, I could have been the adrenaline and you're just going. 
Maybe. I, I debate that the pool I swim in is actually 25 yards. It feels longer. It just, when I look at 25 yards on the football field, it doesn't seem to make the same distance in my head. Mm. But um, so got out and it was kind of cool. You see pictures of me um, from getting out of there and you see some people who are just like, screw this, I'm done. And I'm just getting out <laughs> like happy as a clam. Like, this is, this is awesome. I have a time of my life. I got out of the water. I'm feeling great. Um, I know I'm good to do the rest. So now the transition from there is like a quarter of a mile. So it is, I don't know, I guess that's a long way. Everyone that was around me was saying how long the transition is. So start making my way through and I get to the strippers. So Eric's talked about this before. And I, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm pretty independent. So I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to use them. Then I'm like, no, I'm here for the full Ironman experience. So I run up to them. They're like, just take it down halfway. Take it down halfway. <laughs> lay down, lay down. So I lay down and they just... And I was like, oh, <laughs> new kink unlocked. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, grab, grab my suit, run along. Um, and it is, it, it did feel like a long, long, long transition. But just got to my bike, took my sweet time. Um, made sure I had everything ready because I knew that this was going to be the the big pull. Um, mm-hmm. Jump on the bike eventually and just kept going. It kind of was the same thing. I put myself so far back to start that I'm just like picking people off for the next three hours and the, on the bike, i really didn't put enough effort into the bike. I think to, to do what I wanted to do. Um, but I ended up being at three hours and like three minutes, which is faster than I thought I was going to be. So I was mm-hmm. pretty pumped up about that. And again, just picking people off the whole way through. So, um, got off the bike, went to the run and I was like, this is what I know. I just two hours, no big deal. Um, the thing is, is that my watch, that night had not charged very well. Like it was hundred percent when I left the hotel, mm-hmm. but when I got there, it had already dropped down to like 40%. So I, I didn't even try starting cause I knew it wasn't going to survive, but I live off of my watch when I'm running because like, mm-hmm. I will overrun. So it, it I kind of was like keeping pace, just like it's nine seventeen right now. So now I know if I want to run two hours, it's gotta be the next one. It's gotta be, 926 and then just kind of count down from that and that made it halfway um before it finally died and i kind of knew i was ahead so at about the nine mile mark i kind of asked somebody hey what time you got and kind of clicking off the times in my head and they told me what it was i'm like holy crap i'm way too fast so i, I was but were feeling you feeling good. good though okay good feeling, that's what i was I'm... feeling okay I was kind of starting to feel that fatigue setting in because I I had, I knew I wasn't redlining, but I was a little too much for what I should Mm. be doing. Um, Now what I did, I got to the halfway point and they have Red Bull. And so I'm like, I'm going to treat myself. That was a mistake that we'll come back to. Um, You're going (laughs) to love this one. So got to the halfway point. He knows the assignment, spare no details. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Coming back along through, I get to, I think it was about nine miles. And so it wasn't out and back. At the, they had a uh, an aid station. They were playing music, and I needed it at that point. They are playing Poison. So the first time I came through at three miles, I think they were playing Ride the Wind, and then the way back, they are playing Nothing But a Good Time. And it was like, mm, chef's kiss is exactly what I needed. <laughs> but hitting the home stretch, um, got to 10 miles, and I, that's the first time I actually had to walk. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm paying for that pushing just a little bit too much. And then kind of just kind of get back. I'm like, okay, you're so close. You're so close into about 11 miles. That Red Bull, uh, that Red Bull was starting to come back. Oh and no! I, knew, I had to make a decision. 
real quick. It's like, okay, well, you got two miles left. That's going to put you, you're under 20 minutes. Do you think you can make it 20 minutes without having a code brown? I am not pulling an Addy's Ed Renner. I'm not doing that. I'm just, it's not, not worth it to me. You're not, I'm you're not, not going to win and win a lot of money. You're just trying to finish. No means. You, so it was like, you're thinking family decision. photos just at the finish line. <laughs> real, real easy decision. Go in there, take care of business. And it actually was kind of nice to kind of just chill for a second and then get back on it. And I thought it was making good time. Um, and actually, so one of my early goals was competing with Eric's time for his first. And so I was really close. You were tracking um, me. I I was. Um, but I didn't know where I was. That's the whole thing about not having the watch the whole time. I didn't really know where I was. And so I got to a point where you come back in onto the uh, river walk in Wilmington to hit the home stretch, which is absolutely beautiful, by the way. It was I really didn't get enough of a chance to appreciate how nice it was. Um, but I hit a point and I, someone said, when you hit this turn, it's 800 meters left. Perfect. Made the turn, probably went another 150 miles and finally made it all that distance. Crank. Ah. So, <laughs> and it was one of those like, well, I can try to push this through and I will not be able to get, get to the end or just walk for a bit. So I, I had to walk for a couple of minutes no shame in um, that. I walked in all of mine. No, no shame. No shame. <laughs> so I, I, I walked and I'm just like, I can hear the music. I can hear it. It's right there. Um, so I got to a point where kind of, it switches you off river walk and then back. And then I got to maybe, I don't know, 200 meters left. And I looked behind me and there was like a, a group had just passed me, but there was nobody for a while. And I looked ahead of me and the group that had just passed me had kind of distanced himself a little bit. I'm like, hmm. If I go now, I can hit the shoot and get all the pictures with no one in front of me. Now's the time <laughs> to go. So sure enough, I, I did end up just kind of getting myself through to the end and powered through and yeah, finished at five, it was like 542, 543, something like that. So I was about, what, five or six minutes off of you, Newt? I know I was 530 something. So yeah, yeah. yeah. My first nice was 530. Part. I think my first was 537. Yeah, it was, it was, I wasn't quite there. And to be honest with you, to, to being fair, the course I think that I did is probably much easier. Like I said, the the current was supposedly assisting. The bike was flat, even though it felt like it was just the slightest bit uphill for 50 of the 56 miles. Yeah, And the run was up and then down. Um, but I think it was, fair, it was much easier than I think what she would have had. Well, I think, your course was probably the same as my first ever one, which was which was Old Orchard Beach uh, in Maine, and it was a pretty flat course. The very next yeah. year, I did Ironman Connecticut seventy point three, and I had the exact same time, like five thirty seven, with over twice, if not more, the climbing on the bike and the run. Mm. Nice. So, nice. Uh, and then I, a couple months later, I did the full Ironman, which is next for you, whether you want to do it or not. It's going to happen. Well, yeah. So. I <laughs> Honestly, so like I said, I think I pushed myself too, too, just a little too hard. It was just a little too much throughout. Um, I don't think I, I don't necessarily think I could have done much better. Um, I know the transitions is you absolutely destroyed me on the transitions when I looked at it. Your transitions were way better than mine. But it all depends so think, on where you are. Like some transitions, you have to run a quarter mile and some you might only have to run 50 feet. Yeah. So, I mean, all in all, I mean, my run was see that the thing is your bike, you were much better on the bike than I am. 
and run at least compared to what your run was that I saw. I think that was like we just kind of flip flopped and the the swim was mm. pretty close. But the transition is you absolutely ate me up on the transitions. I think my my run was like one fifty one, which considering that I had to walk two times and had to stop for a code brown, I, I was I was probably on pace for that same uh, time that I did the week before. So um, I, I was I was very happy with it. And then I went the next week and did a. I was actually planning on going and doing my very first real marathon that didn't work out, but, um, I'm planning on doing that this year. Probably a good thing. I didn't, it was a little, going to be a little too much. I did go run a 5k. That's was a couple miles from my house here. It's just a local small one. I ended up winning that in the broke tape for the men. Bro, uh, oh, hey, girl, girl. Wait, were you wearing girl, the OTR t-shirt? <laughs> no, not that day. Oh, okay. I, I saw the, the post truck. where you were doing a race wearing our t-shirt. That was the turkey trot. Okay. I feel like we need to go back to this and just emphasize that you got beat by a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> yeah, I, no shame. She, <laughs> she absolutely... No, I've been beat by, like, young kids. There's a 5K that we have up here, and it's like a downhill one. It's, like, super fast, and I get smoked by little kids all day long. Like, I'm not yeah. even close to coming near these kids. <laughs> but... Uh, Good for you, breaking tape. That's still that's amazing. Like any anything you can do that that gets you a win. I mean, did you win any money? Did you get any cool prizes for winning? I got a twenty dollars gift card to Dix, so which I I used to buy a. uh, You you used you used that gift card to get things for your hose pulling. Yeah, exactly. To get some nice gloves (laughs) for the hose pull. But for actually for pole holding. Yeah, pole holding. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just so looking at you like, is he going to make that joke? Is it going to happen? <laughs> Actually, here's a question. Yeah. Do they let you keep the tape? The, well, honest, to being honest, breaking tape, it was metaphorical because they didn't actually have tape. Oh, mm. bummer. But that's a, to, to cycle back, I, I do want to emphasize this because I know, Erica, you are running some 5Ks now. Mm-hmm. When I did that first triathlon, it was the, the Lake Norman triathlon. I'm going to I'm going to call them out. I finished that mm. one and I was like, done. I'm like, I'm done. I'm feeling sick. I had a bad experience. I put myself uh. in bad situations. I just want to get my damn medal and go home. And they didn't have medals. Oh, yes. No medal, no ribbon. No, it was just like, hey, good job. High five. <laughs> Not See, cool, there's some There are some races like, I don't know, the little fun run kind of things. You don't expect medals, but it's always nice when you get one. I mean, I was was expecting one. I was expecting Mm -hmm. one and didn't get it. So uh, very, very sad. Well, that's sick, dude. So what's next? Are you do you have the triathlon bug? Are you going to do more? Are you going to do the full or are you going to do Wilmington again? So I don't think I'm going to do Wilmington because um, on my schedule for this year, I do want to do another 70.3 because of the one I want to do, I was eyeing the Maryland full because being honest with you, when I first thought about doing the 70.3 in my head, the way I mathed it out, I was anticipating being out on the course for like 10 hours. Cause I thought the swim would take way longer. I thought the bike would take way longer. I kind of mm-hmm. had the, the run kind of right. And then I kind of saw what the other people were doing and I'm like, Oh, that's not going to be what it is. And then I kind of exceeded my own expectations. So I kind of want to do the full just because I kind of anticipate being out there all day is what I I feel like I'm really looking for. So I think I'm looking for that challenge. And so Maryland is one that here is really popular, really fun. And I always grew, I grew up going to the ocean city. Maryland was like my favorite beach. 
And so it's close to there. I'm like, that's everything lines up except for they're doing the 70.3s now in Happy Valley, Pennsylvania, where the race finishes in Penn State Stadium. And that one is calling my name. So that is what I'm planning on doing this year for that. And then the marathon I'm intending to do is uh, the Ocean City Marathon, which started last year. That was one I was going to do. And the reason I want to do that one is because it starts, It's like I said, favorite beach. Grew up going there. My grandparents had a beach house close to there. And the route literally goes down right past the development that they had a house in. And I'm like, when I heard about that, I'm like, that is the one. That is the perfect <laughs> one for me to get my first marathon on. So I'm really, I'm really excited about doing that one. I'm really kind of bummed I didn't do it last year, but to stack the half on top of the marathon the next week would have, it would have been too much. Mm-hmm. So when are they falling this year? Like, are you already trained and ready to go? Or do you have time to, to get your training schedule back? No, I, I have plenty of time. I think, I think, um, I need to, I kind of fell off a little bit here just because of life, but, yeah, um, I'm, yeah, uh, I well, it's get the off season in NASCAR and the off season is the most busiest season. They oh call it. Oh my God. Oh my God. Mm. The trucks, the haulers leave tomorrow. And I, I'm so excited. It has been, it's been very, very busy at work. So I don't think I've taken a lunch in like four weeks now. Wow. It's, it's been, it's been pretty, it's just, like he said, this is our busiest time of the year. And two weeks ago, everyone got the message from NASCAR that, Hey, we're racing in two weeks, even though it's been on the schedule for five months now. And so everyone's like, Oh my God, Oh my God, we got to get all this stuff. We haven't raced in two months, but got to get it now. So that's, that's just the life we live. But, um, yeah, I, the 70.3 I'm doing, I'm planning on doing Pennsylvania. It's until the summer. And then, um, that marathon isn't until October, November, something like that. So plenty of time to train up for those. Excellent. We're going to bring you back (laughs) by November. Riverside will get, have the bugs figured out. We'll bring you back for no tour live and hear about the (laughs) 70.3 and the marathon. And here's what I'm thinking. All right. You want to do a full, I want to do one more full in my life, maybe multiple, but I definitely want to do one more. I could be talked into Maryland. I really want to do Lake Placid. Maryland scares me for one reason. I hear the swim. It's not sharks. It's not alligators. It's jellyfish. Yes. (laughs) And I do not want to run into one of those because I hear they sting you and it's awful. Well, I mean, if you're wearing a full wetsuit, you'd be fine. I mean, my wetsuit, I tend to not like sleeves, so I do sleeveless wetsuits. I'd be much more at risk. I don't know if Yours is, I think yours is full, right? I think I saw pictures of yours. Is yeah, full. it's old. I need a new one. It got some holes in it. So it's a full, full wetsuit with holes. <laughs> but, um, you know, I freak out in the water when I see stuff. I was swimming this year. I was helping a girl do her first triathlon and we're swimming together. And I swam into a turtle and I hit the turtle nose to nose and I freaked out. And we have snapping <laughs> turtles here. Luckily, it wasn't a snapping Ooh, turtle. Yeah. It was this little turtle about the size of like two iPhones together or something, right? I freaked out. I was just like, um, I, yeah, the swim, the swim kind of freaks me out sometimes when I come across something, even, even like a lily pad, I hit the lily pad. I freak out. I'm like, Oh my God, don't see. That's what happens to me. And you want me to go do in a try. No, and I no, freak out. No, if my you... foot touches something slimy at the bottom, I'm like, yeah, we'll see if I can do <laughs> no. it. You can do it. I don't want to do it. But what, what I was getting at Ryan was, 
when I did my first Ironman, I did it with a guy I referee hockey with. His name's Tori. Amazing guy. Great guy. We, we, we did all this training together throughout the year, and we started the Ironman side by side. So you know how you can stage yourself versus time, like your pace and your swim? No, we started side by side. So I knew as long as I was ahead of him, I was beating him. And whenever I would see him on the course, there would be like U-turns, right? So I'd make a U-turn and my watch would say 10 minutes. And then three minutes later, I would pass him and be like, okay, I have a six-minute lead on him, right? And I did that the entire time to be like, I'm beating Tori. And Tori's in wicked good shape. He's got a flat belly unlike me, right? So I beat him by 13 minutes. And I think I was would have probably would have been 15 minutes slower if I didn't have that driving me yeah. to stay ahead yeah. of him. So if you and I ever do one together, I just say we start at the same time together. Yeah, I'm down for that, man. Anytime. I'm down. I'd be definitely looking forward I'm to down. it. down. We'll have to talk so, about Maryland versus Lake Placid. I totally get how Maryland's a hometown one for you. So, Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't say hometown, but it's just uh, Maryland's just uh, that area of Maryland. Just, I really enjoy going there. Anytime, any reason, any excuse. I'd be down for the marathon. <laughs> we could do a, re- we can, we could do a relay one time. Erica True, can yeah. swim. I'll bike. Ryan runs. No, I meant the like, actual marathon. <laughs> I, I'm trying to do all the states, and I haven't. So is that one? That one's Maryland, too, right? The Ocean Ocean City? Or yeah. was that Pennsylvania? Okay, so I don't have no, Maryland yet. There you go. go. And that's November? They have a whole run festival. Like, they have ones in Annapolis and then. Ocean City, like there, there's a whole series of them. So we have friends, All podcast people. friends, like who other podcasters will run for. They are in that like Baltimore area. They talk about them all the time. Like Baltimore is kind of like this pretty cool running hub. It seems. I wouldn't know. I wasn't the. Yeah. <laughs> I like I, said, I, I I associate with Baltimore as far as my sports teams, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't spend a whole lot of time there. Yeah, sorry about your Ravens. Yeah, Kelsey, that was Travis Kelsey and all of them. And uh, the only reason I know what's going on in football is because of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. <laughs> Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's the Chiefs. You can't be, I, I don't think you can be that mad about it. You can be disappointed, but it's, they're still awesome. It's not really a shame to lose to them. Switching topics a little bit, but how does one do a virtual Spartan race? So this was during COVID. And actually, if you look back through my Instagram, um, I was trying real hard to keep people engaged at that time. And so I did, I called it May Memorial. And so I did uh, Hero Wads, CrossFit Hero Wads every day in May, which was kind of crazy. Um, So every single day I was just posting up whichever one I do. Today is Daniel, tomorrow is Jennifer. You know, obviously you have Murph and actually the day I did Murph over Memorial Day, I did Murph twice. I did it with the weight vest and without. But um, one of them that I did is I did the they were doing virtual races. Spartan was. And so it's like if you did it and posted up, you know, the data from your watch or whatever, you get like a virtual certificate. And so I just did. And it was like free. You didn't have to really. You could pay for the the swag to get mm-hmm. it. So, um, I didn't end up doing it, but I went ahead on one of the days and decided, like I said earlier, I'm going to just casually wake up one morning and just go run a Spartan ultra, which is the 31 miles or 50 K along with a bunch of obstacles. So I just kind of figured it out every half mile. I'm going to do one of the obstacles, which was like X amount of push ups or burpees or sit ups or whatever. 
So I got up in the morning and started going. Now, keep in mind, the farthest I had ever run was 15 miles at the time. Again, casually, just I'm just going to go casually do. I'm going to casually double that with, and throw in a bunch of yeah, obstacles. No Easy. <laughs> and as I'm going in my head, I'm like, okay, just, you know, take it easy. And then overpacing like you would. And I'm like, huh, I'm like 12, 10, 12 miles in. I'm at like four hour pace. This is going pretty well. Didn't really bring anything to drink to, to oh, fuel because yeah. smart. <laughs> so, yeah, that was it was not the greatest of decisions. I think I started having to walk it around. I, I was on four hour pace for a half marathon or for a full marathon, not the 50K. But I was on that pace for about 15 miles and then hit the wall and just started having to walk. Um, I did bring a backpack with a couple little snacks with me, but that was about it. Um, eventually ended up walking past a, a friend that I worked out with at the Y. I walked by her house, uh, saw her husband in the garage. I'm like, dude, can I just get some water or something? <laughs> I was, what you got I was hurting. I was hurting so bad. I'm texting. I, I started off real cocky. I was texting people who, uh, I kind of told that I was going to go do this. I was texting them like, yeah, I'm this far in, I'm this far in. And then they're like, how you doing? Not good. Not <laughs> good. I'm texting my wife's like, where are you at? I'm like, I still have like five miles to go. I finally hit the the, the marathon mark. I don't know. It was like five or so hours. I just had to walk the last probably like seven miles of it. Um, and I remember trying to get down to do some sit-ups as one of the obstacles. And my abs cramped up so bad that I, I just couldn't, couldn't do it. So mm -hmm. I just had to walk out from there. Um, yeah, pro not one of the smartest decisions I made. And then on top of that, I promised my daughter that when I got home, I would go back over to the, uh, the track that's at the Y and go scootering with her. So that was a, that was a rough day. Yeah. So that, the things you do for your kids though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was, it was absolutely worth it, but, um, I, I don't think I would, uh, casually go and do that one again. No code Browns, just a whole lot of pain. And I That's definitely good, felt no that code any blood, that, no blood, no blood, you, uh, no chafing, no nothing. I was actually, I, I remember uh, when I, I think, did Spartans and tough mutters and stuff. Yeah. No code Browns, but there'd be blood. I've never had blood. The worst Spartan I've ever done though, was Asheville. The, the one year that they did a super, they kind of, I think they did away with the supers there for a little while. But I remember finishing that one in like four hours and guys were finishing at the finish line. Like I've done like 20 marathons and this and that. The other, and this was the worst thing I've ever done because it, it was on Black Mountain. So it was Ooh. tons and tons of elevation carrying things up and down the mountain. So it was that one was it, again, casually just going to show up and do this thing. It was so bad that when I finished, I was driving home. And I stopped to get a Gatorade, which even getting out of the car was tough. And so I reached over to grab the Gatorade out of my passenger seat. And when I reached my hand, like my muscle cramped and my hand went like that right back at me. Oh, no. that, that was, that was rough. That was rough. So do you have like, give me a, an idea of the exercises that you had to do every half mile, like, was it a whole, ch like a chunk of things? And you just repeated like push-ups, yeah. crunches, I yeah, don't even just know what else standard, you would do. Like just standard body weight, okay. push-ups, sit-ups, crunch, burpee, 
Um, I think there was like maybe some mountain climbers, just kind of all kinds of body weight things. So like, so how many would you say you did collectively throughout the whole, the whole thing? Like, um, uh, I was doing <laughs> like 20 so of whatever, every half mile all the way through oh, that... at least 28 miles. That adds so, up real fast. A lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, trying to do this at a four hour marathon pace when never having run over 15 miles, there's that stupidity disease yeah. I told you about earlier. It keeps coming back. So you I have a touch of that well, myself. No worries, do, but you, you're my, you're my kind of people too. So you, you weren't doing together. any challenges that involved poles or ropes, you know, how the guys do the rope things and all no. that. <laughs> no. So Ryan, you touched on this a little bit before, but you were mentioning how you got fired for running a half marathon. So you got to, you got to share that story yeah. with us. Like, I want to know the details because that's bonkers. So it, that is the unofficial reason. So that year I was at Roush and I feel like I can say it now because ownership has changed. So no conflict or anything like that, but I, and it's been a while. Um, that year I was there doing their Xfinity program and uh, I was doing pretty well, I think. Not super, but I was doing okay, doing good enough. Uh, good enough that actually through the summer, they put me on one of the non-house cars. I was pitting for Jeffrey Earnhardt for one race. Then one of our guys got hurt. I got put on to a different one of the non-house cars. And so everything was looking good. But I, the week that they told me I was moving up... It was literally actually the same day. I went to pick up my daughter from my mother-in-law's, went to Walmart with her. And all of a sudden I just got like real sick, real nauseous. And it was, I I, I can't even still explain it. It just kept, that kept happening. I just kept having this like nauseous feeling coming Mm. um, back. And like, I felt like super weak, almost, I guess the best way to describe it is like the weakness you get from mono, but with none of the sickness, it was really weird. Weird. And so this kind of lingered around um, and I did, I started to struggle, but I was just trying to like, keep, keep going, like keep grinding. Yeah. Keep grinding. I I went and met with some doctors about it and they're like, we can't see anything wrong with you. So um, just kind of was like, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me in the middle of all this. Uh, the playoffs started. So at the time I was pitting for Ryan Reed, uh, the number 16 car, and he made the playoffs. So what tends to happen is my team was kind of like the development crew. Well, now that the team's in the playoffs, they put the A-list guys on because they need to give that team the better chance to, to win going forward. Uh So they bumped our, our team down. I got put on some different stuff. Uh, we went to Darlington, which was the first race of the uh, playoffs. And this is this whole thing had been going on for like a month now. I'm just feeling super weak. Um, and it, I basically fell out during the race. Had to go to the care center afterwards, got IVs. And uh, it, was, it was bad enough that when I went home, I went to the ER with my wife because it, just something wasn't right. Yeah. So, we, we still, to this day, never really figured out what it was. It just kind of ended up going away. Um, but my doctors, I met with them several times, and they're like, we have no reason to keep you out. You're clear to go. Um, but 
they Roush just said, no, we're keeping you out. We're keeping you out. So that went on for about a month. I was just kind of put off to the side, no workouts, no practices, no nothing. Um, I was working in the shop. Eventually it got to be like, I had weekends free and it was like, I told you earlier, I didn't want to run a half marathon. I had a free one. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to run this half marathon. Um, went and did it. And again, I set, I set my time for like, I just think I can do it in two hours. The last time I ran it, it was in cross country and it was like one I'm nowhere near that fast anymore, but I think I can do it in under two hours. So cool. Went, ran it, showed up the next week. And I went to, I actually was honest about it with them. I said, Hey, I just want to let y'all know I did this. I didn't want you to hear through the grapevine or see it or whatever. And I actually, the, the physical therapist, physical therapist that was there with us yelled at me about it. Um, so I actually said a lot of really nasty stuff about me, said I was like really stupid for doing it. So that was on Monday and on Wednesday or Thursday, I got called down and they said, well, since you're not really pitting for us, we're going to let you go. I was like, from the whole organization, from the whole team, like even your shop job, the whole team, everything. And I'm like, can y'all even do that? I'm out because of health things right now. And the HR guy was like, we didn't know about that. So, but to be honest with you, that place at the time was so toxic and Uh. I liked what I got out of it because I was there as a pit crew guy. I've never been the pit crew guy at Stuart Haas. I was always a shop guy that happened to pit. So it was kind of nice, the things I got there, but I didn't like wearing that shirt all the time. So it wasn't the worst thing in the world, to be honest with you. I was, it, it was kind of refreshing to be out of there. So, but that's what they told me at the time was, yeah, because you're not pitting right now, we're going to let you go. Well, then I ended up going back to the racetrack a month or so later. And all the guys that I had been working with were like, yeah, we heard because you ran that half marathon. Um, they decided that they couldn't keep you on their insurance. So they fired you. So again, it's, it's, all, it's never was said to me like that officially, but it yeah. sounds like because I went and ran the half marathon that they were like, mm. and from li- a liability standpoint, I guess I kind of understand. Um, it, it, if you kind of really are honest with yourself, it does make sense. But I, I, as much as I didn't really care about working there, uh, just because of the culture that was at the time, ever since Brad Mm -hmm. came in, it's been better, but, um, I would go run that race every single time again. Uh, I have no regrets about doing that. Well, man, this was a ton of fun. Let's get to the final couple big questions. I think you know what I'm getting to. This year we started right. the Code Brown Commandments, and the, it's kind of like it's kind of like advice for Code Browns, like know what poison ivy looks like, or know where the porta potties are along the course. Don't trust a fart. Do you have any <laughs> uh, good Code Brown Commandments for us? Yeah, don't try drinking Red Bull uh, during a race if you haven't done it before. <laughs> I think that's a classic nothing new on race day. Am I nothing right? Nothing new on race day, especially extra caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting that. Nice. I'm having a, I have a list and I'm making sure to write it all down because I don't have it actually transcribed yeah. on our Google docs yet. 
So my big question, as you are probably familiar, we have our brand new, well, not brand new anymore, but recently revamped Spotify playlist. And we like to invite our guests to add a song to it. So would you like to add anything that that pumps you up, gets you motivated, just anything in general? Go ahead and add something. Yeah, this was actually a really hard one because... Yes, it is hard, right? I say this all the time. This is a hard question. Well, I want to do something. I don't want to do something that is... You know, there's a ton of things that can pump you up, but I want to do something that if you saw it, you're like, that's Ryan because X, Y, and Z. So I landed on this one because I don't, I I pretty much know no one else will get to this one. So the band is called Vamps, not the Vamps. Very important. Vamps. V-A-M-P-S. And the song is called The Jolly Roger. Okay. I do not know this one. So as you wouldn't. So little backstory to them. Yeah. So Vamps is actually the lead singer is a, his name is Hyde. Um, it's a Japanese band mm-hmm. and me and my wife have actually gone and seen Hyde in four different bands or three different bands. We've seen him four different times in three different bands and is actually his work is some of my favorite, but I landed on that one because I'm pretty sure that in Japan, Hyde is like top of the popular list, but we went and saw him in like little dive areas and like the underground in charlotte like small venue opening up for like i prevail and palisades and so not as known and it's kind of funny when you go in there and then it's like this dude in japan can't walk in the streets without getting known and here no one really knows who he is (laughs) right their vamps their whole stick is like they're like japanese vampire pirates but the Jolly Roger, like lyrically, I think really fits as far as, you know, working out, running, things like that. And it's got a good beat for running. It's not over the top. It's kind of it, it's it's good driving, but um, not really, really too heavy. Excellent. Well, this is uniquely yours. And I can't <laughs> wait to give it a listen after this. Nice. Ryan, this has been fun. I, I'm so happy we got to catch up and talk. I, I, I don't want to finish, though. I don't want to stop. So I want to ask you a couple questions. One, yeah. tell me what it's like standing in victory lane for the Daytona 500. And how does that compare to an ARCA race victory lane yeah. at Pocono? Look, I haven't won enough races to sit here and point and say this one's any more special. Because the first race I won at Pocono, my dad was there. The second race my, at New Jersey, my mom and dad were there. Um, my first or my second win when I was with Kurt at Pocono, my wife was there. So they all have these little special flavors. And I think that's what Mm -hmm. is really amazing about not winning a ton is you find special in every single one of them. But I mean, when it comes to Daytona, it is Daytona is the Super Bowl, And I feel very, very blessed to have been able to compete in the Super Bowl of racing. I think it's not that I take that for granted, but it's sometimes you do have to sit back and go, wow, that like, that is not a little deal at all. And so with Daytona, the 500, I going into that race, I had started getting the year before, like really ticked off. Like we can win one of these stinking things. We can do this. We, we were close with Kevin two years before. And so that day, we actually wrecked all four of our cars wrecked in one big wreck. And so at that moment, when that happened, I got really, really ticked off, but then we came down, uh, our car was the only one that survived and, uh, it just had some damage, but we went back out and the last stint of the race, we're running like second for a good chunk of it. And, um, 
I forget who was leading at the time. You had a ton of I'm damage, like, right? So at this track, you can't lead with all that damage. You got to tuck behind somebody. We had just enough on the sides. The nose wasn't too bad, and that's the biggest thing. But um, it was enough that we could. We were running second for a while, and I think we got past when we got put back to third, but we got back up to second. And you're just sitting here, and you're just like, if we could just get by that one car. And so, you know, but then there's that humble side of you, like, Daytona 500 wins, that's such a big deal. That's not something that's going to happen to me kind of thing. He's, I guess it's being humble about it or something. But the way it happened for us was so uniquely special, I feel like, because Kurt was running second at the white flag. Kurt was Bush was the driver I was with. And uh, we go into one and you're just sitting there like, we're so close. We're so, if he could just do it. And I remember the the shot as they go into one, Kurt kind of pops up top. And I kind of like looked up, like I just had that feeling like, oh my God, was, Larson was leading at the time. And I'm like, I think he just made a move. And then they flashed back. Larson had started to run out of fuel and Kurt had passed him. So we're coming off too, leading the race. And I, I was sitting there shocked. I mean, everyone starts jumping around me. And you just start thinking in your head, this, is this really happening? There's no way this is actually happening. And then you start thinking the negative things, like you're going down the back stretch and you're like, okay, who's going to get a run and pass us? There's no way that this, if really we're going to win the Daytona 500, there's no way. And so you just keep waiting. It's a long time from turn two all the way around to the front stretch. Like who's going to get a run, who's going to get together and, and make a run to pass you. And as we got to three and four and coming off three and four, uh, closer to the line, I could just, I I've, could tell we were far enough. No one's going to pass us. And it starts really setting in enough that you can look away from the screen and wait for your car <laughs> to come into view. Because when you're down the pitch, you can't see the cars except when they come right in front of you. So you turn around and and you see your car coming through and, and see the reality as they come across the line. And it was just the coolest experience I've ever had um, professionally to see that happen and then to celebrate with everybody and and tony gibson and all the guys that i work with and then somebody was like suggested let's go meet him let's go meet him so we go run out onto the infield and you can actually see the pictures um and you can point me out pretty easily because i'm wearing a blue fire suit when everybody else is wearing red uh black and red so we all run out there and we're all like tapping kurt on the helmet and everything and it was such a cool deal and then to run back over into victory lane and, and celebrate over there and just do the hat dance, get all the pictures and everything. It is just the hat dance. <laughs> oh, the hat dance. Is, I missed the hat dance. It's, it's hard to really put into words. Cause really what it is now, again, I wasn't the quarterback. I wasn't the star running back on that team. You could say you the host puller. It's an important boy. job. I was the host puller, but damn it. I was on the team that won the Daytona 500 one year. I got to stand in victory lane and, that's just one thing that no matter if I quit racing tomorrow, if it all went away, that'll always be there. And so it's just, it's such a cool thing. That's amazing. Good for you. I mean, own that you were part of the team. That's all that matters. That's so, so cool. I love and hearing the, about that. That one's, that one's special. I told you about the other ones that I won with my parents there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another race. Uh, Jeremy Clements won at road America. And that was like one of the biggest upsets in NASCAR. I was on that car, which Newt I was carrying in that race too. I think the first race and the last race I ever carried tires, I won. Um, Parker Klingerman upset 
the field in the truck series one year at Talladega. So I got, I got to be part of some really, really cool experiences, really unique experiences. And yeah, I'm so yeah, just thinking about it. It's, it's just so cool to reminisce on some of those. Cause it's I, just, it's so, it's just something I could never have imagined growing up. I am so happy for you. I, I left, you know, with, some regret I want I left planning to go back and I never went back I got a real job right and then I'm like I should probably stay here and do this I definitely had regrets for years now there's been a ton of change in NASCAR when I started you had seven pit crew guys now you only have four so a lot of job a a lot of our friends who we worked with don't work in the sport anymore and I probably would have been behind again you still work in it Shane I'm so happy for Shane he's the jack man on the one car of Ross Chastain. Shane I really like watching him because I remember like helping him in practice his first year when I was already doing it for a couple of years. I still pull when I watch the NASCAR races and I watch most, I actually pull for my friends on pit road and I pull for the one car. I was pulling for you in that race. Like I remember watching that and seeing you and I'm like, Ryan won. Tim Morrison was on your team too. Right. So I was like, Ryan and Tim. And whenever I see a friend win, I'm so jacked up. I am very envious. Like I, I, as I said, I have regrets not going back, but I'm also very happy with the way my life has turned out. So it's like that. It's like that feel good regret. Yeah. You know, I'm not. I'm not upset. My life isn't ruined for it. But man, I got hurt and I got in my mind broke. You know, I was like five grand in debt, and I'm like, I got to pay this off. And I came home and did that, and I was like, oh. I have a job with health insurance. I can go back to NASCAR whenever I want. And then it became harder and harder to actually do that. And here we are today. I'm a podcaster and Ryan is living the dream still working in NASCAR. So what is what is coming up for you this week is the Daytona 500. What is your role in your job? I, my role right now, I am the parts manager slash purchasing shipping receiving manager. So I wear a lot of hats um, and it's not the sexiest sounding title as compared to the people who actually build the cars. But I love it because I get to influence a lot of the departments. I get to work with basically all of the teams, cup side, Xfinity side, every department, even up to accounting. I I have hands in just about everywhere and uh, influence in a lot of areas now because people, as I've learned, really tend to trust me because of the way I approach work. So, uh, I think it's definitely the job that I was built to do because I get to hold a lot of hats, like the triathlon thing, the decathlon thing. I get to do a lot of different things, not just have one track. I can't focus on one thing. So it's really nice to be able to come in and have to tackle different problems all day, every day, and be able to see it, uh, show up on the racetrack. You know, when you see one of your cars, win, you're like, I got parts for that one. I Mm -hmm. handed out parts to that for that guy. So it was, it's, it's definitely, I think the role I was built to do. I'm happy for you, man. I really am. I'm pumped up. Thanks, man. Before, before we go up, well, I don't know if you had anything else to add, but uh, Eric had showed me a video that you had sent him. Oh yeah. We Uh, haven't. Okay. Let's talk. Yeah, Eric loves to tell the story about when he got run over by the, by the car when he was pitting. And the same thing happened to you. So I, I want to know, when uh, did this happen? Like, how did it happen? How hurt were you? Like, how, how was the recovery post-hit? Post like, oh my gosh, yeah. I cannot believe you guys both 
hit by cars. I've got run over more so, than once, just only once in a race. It happened a couple times oh, in practice. God. Oh, but his is on video, though. I, I know. know you, you didn't have yours. I'm so upset mine isn't on video because <laughs> mine was epic. But, oh, my God, you guys. Ryan, talk, about, so, the, talk about yours, Ryan, and then please give the best detail you can about mine that you know of. <laughs> so with mine, I had made it. So I started in 2007. Mm-hmm. And I made it all the way until 2020, which 2020 was the last year that I did because um, we found out we were pregnant with uh, my son, who's my second. Um, so I decided that was enough. I was going to stay yeah. home more. Um, but I made it all that time till like August of 2020, my last year before I got hit. And what happened was if you watch the video with this new style of pit stops, I jump off the wall. My carrier who's beside me is holding two tires and he's mm. bigger than me. So he jumps in front of me. I don't have a chance to run through him. He's just got too much weight, too much mass. If I try to run through him, I'm going to either get knocked down or off course or whatever. So he jumped in front of me and I kind of stopped to let him go. Mm. As he went by the pit sign where they're holding to stop the guy. Um, I'm looking through, I see my carrier go by. I see the pit sign going up. And as soon as the pit side clears about here, I just see car. Oh, no. And so it was like I I had because I had to stop because I couldn't see the car. And because the guy who was driving, it was his very first time driving a truck. He's usually a dirt guy. And I've been told every time if if it's a new driver, be careful. This guy doesn't has never done pit stops before. I've heard it a million times. Every time they do that, they tend to come in and stop way short because they're afraid of hitting people. Oh, (laughs) this guy guy was quite. Keep in mind, this is Daytona, end of August. It was hot. It was very Mm -hmm. hot. And Uh so he he was not actually doing very well. And so he's he I say he slid through. He didn't even slide. He just kind of didn't stop. And so when that pit sign went up, I saw him and I I think I tried to jump. And you can kind of see I basically did like a handstand on it. And then mm-hmm. fell back, and I, it was probably a little bit more dramatic than what it needed to be. But I was trying to get away from the car, so I kind of like yeah. tumbled backwards. But um, I don't know if it was just luck or being a little bit athletic or whatever. But I got out of the way of the car pretty much, so I got out of there, out of there pretty clean. I had a little bruise on my hip, um, but got back, finished the stop, and uh, the only thing is I went to the infield care center afterwards just because, especially with things like happen to Newt, mm-hmm. if I wake up the next day and I'm like, oh crap, my hip really hurts. I think I might've broken something. If yeah. I don't report it, it's going to be on me. So Na- yeah, NASCAR covers you hundred percent when you have a NASCAR license from a paper yeah. cut to death. But if Ryan didn't go to the infield care center, they could have been like, oh, maybe you fell in your driveway yeah. and slipped on ice, you know? Well, but remember I said it was really, really hot that day. Daytona in the, at the end of the summer, so I go in there and there are just drivers just in there getting fluids because they're all fun. Our driver actually mm. had to stop the ra- stop his race because he was overheated. Yeah. So I couldn't even be mad at the guy because he got out of it worse than I did. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just here to get looked at. I got hit. I just want to make sure it's reported. So I'm good if tomorrow I wake up and I'm like, oh, crap, I got a broken hip. So you right. went so, to the infield care center uh, self-voluntarily. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, so 
with Eric, we were not pitting on the same truck that day. This was in Martinsville, yes? Yeah, yeah, Martinsville. So I remember finishing that race, and we were all kind of packing up to leave. So Martinsville is only about an hour and a half from here. It's not very far. So we're all kind of packing up to leave, and we're like, well, where's Newt? Oh, he got hit by a car. Like, what? (laughs) And so come to find out later, I think my wife – we were talking about this yesterday. My wife was in the stands and heard the ooh that of the crowd something had happened, but she didn't know like the the crowd had gone ooh, but um didn't know what had happened. But yeah, I, I don't remember who your driver was, but David Starr. I remember hearing that guy. He got oh David Starr. Yeah, that yeah he he's he's been rumored to be a weapon. I haven't really seen him be too much of a weapon, but that that day. You know what sucks the most about that is what? I was supposed to do the cup race the next weekend for the same guy, David Starr. You're right. Yeah, for the 95. And the cup is is the show. It's the NHL, yep. right? It's uh, a show and you're working your way up. And I had the deal. It was the same guy. It, it was a different team, but same driver. That didn't even matter. I made the team and it was like a six race deal. I had to buy my own NASCAR license, which I did not yet pay for. That's partly why yep. I didn't get to continue the deal. But because I got run over, I broke my wrist, my fingers, tore the ligaments in my fingers. I had a broken foot, probably a concussion, uh, Mm because I was getting very nauseous and woozy. But at that time, concussions weren't like bad. It was just like, oh, you you hit your head. I never got to do a cup race. And that is probably the biggest disappointment of that whole thing, getting run over. I was six days away from my first cup race and didn't get to do it. Now, Shane got to do it again. Like Shane even wrote me a message saying, I'm so sorry, you know, because he felt bad that he took my spot, but he also had to pay for his own license. So he got the five or six races with that 95 car. And yeah. I was like, my day's going to come. My day's going to come. But um, the season ended and I got some opportunities, but I was still, I came back too early and I was trying to, it, that didn't, that's not why I left because I came back too early, but that time I missed time, I didn't make much money because at that point, Erica, we're making probably four to six hundred dollars a race, and that's a oh, lot so of more money. money. You guys, yeah, right. that's that's way better than earlier. And I'm paying rent and everything else, and I was like, I mm-hmm. gotta come home. And our buddy Brandon's like, I can get you a job, and you can make a couple grand real quick and pay off your debt. And I was like, yeah. And then here I am today. So yeah, I got run, I got run over real hard, and. uh broken bones and but i got right back up and finished the pit stop he got he got hit way harder than I yeah did. so when i post the video of ryan <laughs> think of that times 10 with my body flipping upside oh down that's rough over the truck landing on the tailgate of the truck and the spoiler and um if you if you actually go back and look that so i had the before i had the video i sent you i had uh the rear tire changers video and so I posted a bunch of funny pictures up there. So you can see my feet over the, oh, really? the hood of the truck. <laughs> really? And that's all you can see. But I, I was posting like superimposing like bullet bill for Mario hitting me. Yeah, you love Mario. You love all those characters. Yeah. You're big into that. He he had bullet. He had the bullet from Mario on his crew helmet. I had like the Boston Bruins bear and Wicked <laughs> yeah. Awesome on it because we had we knew a guy who could do like airbrush designs. And so nice. we got our helmets painted like a, a goalie would in hockey and it was pretty cool. But you had bullet and you're big into Mario and all those thing, right? That That's me in a nutshell. But yeah, I, my first helmet, I actually split down the side. It was bullet bill on one side 
and then Shy Guy on the other, which I think yeah. Shy Guy kind of explains me pretty correctly. Um, <laughs> but then I, I ended up changing it up and then just did Bullet Bill completely, which I actually just threw that helmet away, to be honest with you. I still have mine, but the visor's broken. I I left it in the garage and it was uh, some birds had made a nest in it a couple times, got in. So uh, it was it was just time to get rid of it. Yeah. Were you in Iowa when we camped with a guy's dad? He had the camper there and we went and hung out and drank a ton of beer at the camper. Were you there then? Yeah, that was Aaron Thompson's family. Do you remember we went and grabbed a bunch of beer and as we were pulling the van over, we opened the door a little too early and I jumped out of the van a little too early and rolled and somersaulted on the ground holding the beer <laughs> and I stood up and go, we didn't lose one. I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> there's you. Nice. There's me. I know this is probably tough to see. We're talking 2009, 2010 photos. So they're much smaller on Instagram. Here's uh, here's my favorite photo of you and me. That's you yep. in the red helmet. And there I am, the Jackman. We're at Pocono there, pitting the car for Rob. And I'm making my way around. So, Erica, we mentioned the hose puller. See these yep. yellow hoses? The Barely. Ho- <laughs> the, the hose puller would be on the other side of the wall. And as we come around from the right side of the car to the left side, he would yeah. pull the hose so it would lay flat and it wouldn't get tangled in our feet. Oh. So that's the purpose useful. of, like, there's only four guys or seven guys going over the wall. But there's a whole mm-hmm. crew on the other side of the wall who has all these super important jobs to do. So, and then here's uh here's some Victory Lane photos, us in Victory Lane at Pocono, or at me yeah. in Victory Lane. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. The hat dance, Erica. So everyone wears a hat for the sponsors, but a race mm-hmm. might have thirty sponsors. So in Victory Lane, everyone will be like, put on a hat, and it'll all be the same hat. And then you take a photo. You'll go woo, and then you take the hat off. You put the other one, and you go woo holding like a number one finger up woo the whole hat dance oh, so you put all the different hats on yeah because i can't see what he, if you're trying to like show me yeah. but <laughs> so like you they'll, they'll hand you a bag and it's like you have like iron man sponsors it so you have your iron man hat woo and then they change and it's oh, the good. Hat. okay and so that picture goes to each you know re- the, it'll go to each uh sponsor right. that was so, represented so there. say it's say That's sundrop smart. right sundrop will have yep. a photo in victory lane with all them wearing a sundrop hat but then sunoco might have one and sunoco has the Swap same photo out. but all in the in, yeah they call it the hat dance it's a lot of fun okay victory right. lane was super cool working in nascar was one of the coolest experiences of my life one that people told me i would never do and i I got them to shut the fuck up because I went out there and did it and I had a blast. Uh, No regrets as far as the way things worked out, but it would have been great to do that cup race. So, yeah, I'm going to tell you something right now, though. I'm going to tell you something. So I don't know if you remember this. So Eric and I, he said he was going back to New Hampshire. He said he was going to come back. Um, And so we kind of said our goodbyes. Well, it just so happened that me and Jenny went down to, concord mills a day or so later and i thought eric had already left well we went past the sunglass hut and guess who happens to be working his final shift oh yeah and so we went in there and talked to him a little bit i was probably leaving that night (laughs) yeah so we we uh me and jenny left and she said when do you think he'll come back and i said i don't think he will she said why i said i said he's he's gonna get an opportunity to do something and just do something that's going to be much better for him. 
And I know how this sport can be. It's really tough to claw out of that hole to, to be able to make a living out of it. And when you can find a living elsewhere, it, it can be a lot, a lot better for most people. And I kind of knew Eric, whatever he's going to do, he's going to be successful at. So I was like, he's going to find something. He's going to get successful at it. He's not going to have a reason to want to come back here. So, well, and honestly, DJ's deal fizzled out shortly after that. Yeah, so. it did. Well, there was a ton of uncertainty at the time. It was like the, the worst time for the sport revenue wise or economy. It was, it was yeah. bad for the whole entire U S economy at the time. Right. But if you remember, about a year later, I kept getting a phone call from Danny Baptista, who worked at Stuart Haas Racing, and he offered me a job probably five times. I remember going down for a Patriots game with Steve Spain and Jason Parent, Erica, and Danny Uh gave us a tour of the race shop for my friends. I've seen it all, but he gave me a tour. The first thing he went into Jay and Steven goes, have you ever tried to give this guy a job because it's impossible? He'll never take it. And he kept offering me a job in the shop, uh, in the parts room, and it, uh, it, it did not pay a lot. It paid like $12 an hour. Yep. But he was like, you can live in my basement, and you'll travel on the road and make some extra money on the weekends. And I kept okay. turning it down, right? Because I just wasn't ready to move. I just took a new full-time job. I was making more money. But who got that job a couple months later? That guy right there. There you go. There you go. And it worked out for the best and for, probably for the right guy. Well, thanks, Eric. And th- as far as Danny goes, um, Danny, we got, got to throw him some credit just because that dude has hired me probably, I don't even know how many times. He put me on so many pit crew deals. He hired me at Stuart Haas. He got me in at Starcom after I got fired from Roush. That dude has been so influential on at least my career. I don't know how influential he was with you, but Love just, he's one of the the best dudes I've ever met in racing. One of my favorite people. Still live life by WWDD. What would Danny do? Exactly. Right. Danny Baptista, all-time great guy. Boston guy, New Englander, big Bruins yep. fan. So, Very nice. Yeah, Danny gave... Danny, Danny was... He was a big guy for opportunities then. You know, he's was in the sport much longer than us. He kind of, he was much older than us. He also liked to live vicariously through us. We would always go to yeah. eat on Tuesdays and he's married with a kid and he wanted to hear our stories about, you know, things that happen on the road or people we meet or all that. And he'd be like, so tell me what happened this week, guys. <laughs> My wife had me home. <laughs> yeah. Great yeah, guy. He, he is one of the best dudes. Great guy. Oh, Ryan, yeah. thanks for doing this. I'm so pumped up. I got to have you on the pod. I know you listen you're one of the guys, a lifelong friend for me, and we'll get you back at the end of the year and hear how your races went. And we can talk more NASCAR stories. People are already tuned yeah. out. So it's just you and me now talking and Erica's like getting an <laughs> earful of it. Yeah. I do want to well, add one little thing before we go, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we never even talked about the fight in Kansas City. Oh, my no. God. <laughs> I do want to That's for this next in. time. This is something I, I like to say to people. So I tore my ACL two years ago. Uh, actually coming up exactly on two years ago. And that was like kind of my first like real major injury and that's fine. But you know, you guys have your cancer survivors on. And, and so I wanted to share this because I know from my microcosm of my tiny little, everyone gets this injury. I struggled with it pretty heavily on a mental standpoint, just because I was not used to not being able to do normal stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
I tore it doing karate, which me and my daughter were doing at the time. I'm still doing it. She's moved on to other things, but mm-hmm. that was my connection with my daughter. And so it was like, I l- struggle, I'd say to, to have common things with my daughter. She's just, she likes different things than I do. So it was karate yeah. was so special to me because of that. So I kind of lost that. So what I really am getting at out of all that is when you have someone who has an injury like that or any kind of an injury, any kind of health, whatever it is, check on their mental health because everyone kept asking, I know everyone kept asking me, you know, Hey, how's your knee? Like knees fine. Heads a messed up, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know? And so, you know, I think it's even more critical with these cancer survivors that you have on, like, don't, go to them all the time and say, Hey, how's the cancer doing? How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How are you doing in your life? I, I think that's something that's very important to share is like the mental side of, of things we're dealing with is just as important as anything else. And so I know that my, my boss went through former boss went through cancer uh, a couple times now, and he had the same th- kind of thing. Like, Hey man, ask me how I'm doing. Don't ask me about how the cancer is doing. So right. you know, check on your people and, and care about the, care about their mental health. Well that's said, a good Ryan. message to close. Yeah, a good message to close out on because that's I mean, anybody could go be going through some kind of huge life transition and it's so hard to not be able to do the things you're used to. So thank you for that. And everybody Absolutely. just check in on your friends every once in a while. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good message. That's right. Let's stay in touch. Let's keep talking more, Ryan. I'm I yes. this was great. I will try to make a trip down to North Carolina soon and see you. Maybe we can go and Erica can get that North Carolina race in. Heck yeah. Cannonball. The cannonball. I'm writing it down. (laughs) Everyone, I hope you enjoyed a little bit of going back to memory lane for me. That was a lot of fun. This one was for me. I don't usually do that, but this was awesome. (laughs) Ryan, thanks for coming on the pod. Guys, thank you. Ryan Painter on the On the Runs podcast. Thank you. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. We got to learn so much about you, so much about Eric. I mean, you guys just got into some shenanigans back in the day, and it was super cool to hear about that. Miley Cyrus in the parking at, lot. At the time, <laughs> right. At the time this is this is dropping, I will not know how Daytona went for you guys, but I really hope that it went well and that you guys Hopefully came off with another win. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But yeah. Way to way to go. If he with doesn't all screw stuff, up his hose so, so cool. pulling job, you know, yanking the hose. <laughs> Professional hose yank. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just oh my God. The innuendos are, are what do so you good, do for a job? I yank hoses. <laughs> well, other guys are but, taking nuts on and off. You guys are just <laughs> well, whatever whatever it is, you guys are good at your jobs and you get shit done. So keep up the good work. That was a lot of fun. I I actually enjoyed. I was a little nervous when he goes. I have a couple stories I can't wait to share about you. And I'm like about me. And I was like, I'm listening. Right. I, like there's there's this one when I was about an hour late to to leave and that never happens with me i mean i was kind of the leader of the pack right i kind of planned and did all the logistics and i went to a concert the night before and um i was very late getting to the bus to leave and they waited for me they didn't have to i so i thought he would share that one there's nothing more than just me being late but the paddle story yeah i still think that paddle's in my dad's garage right now it's this orange retractable paddle and i thought it was hilarious and i we mentioned 
the stories about hanging out of the van, paddling by people. Oh, yeah, I I still <laughs> so love random. to have fun. Nothing's changed. <laughs> I just have kids and I'm maybe a little more uh, mature at times. So, <laughs> yeah, it's asterisk. Uh, at, the, at, at the time, I never fought a fire and now I am a firefighter. But he did share like the story said, about when I got the fuel po- poured all over me. I think that was worse than me oh burning my, my hand just yesterday. Oh, that just reminds me of that Ricky Bobby thing where he like pulls off his. <laughs> Save me, <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> He's just running around. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was awesome, though. Ryan, you're a cool dude. So maybe you're next year we'll go for another Daytona 500 champion the week before the race. Maybe we try to get a Daytona or just Monoman NASCAR buddies who runs a lot. That's is that, that that has to be the one criteria the uh, the running part. Have you ever run at all in your life ever? Yeah, no. Like <laughs> if if you're just like if I mean if Dale Earnhardt Jr. starts running, we'll get him on the podcast. But right now he's not a runner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, good. To he's know. got the Daytona 500 champion part down. He's just not a runner. He hasn't run a 5K yet. Do it, Dale, and I'll get you on. <sighs> Sorry, Dale. Yeah. Sorry. You, you don't fit. You Ugh. don't fit. But anyways, uh, you're going on vacation. That's why we're doing uh, this on Sunday. Hopefully. I hope I'm going on vacation. Yeah, I, I'm i really hoping that my plane actually takes off because now there's like a freaking huge ass storm coming through on Tuesday. But my plane leaves early and I'm really crossing my fingers that I can actually fly out. We'll see. Where are you going? Tell me about I it. Go- are you going to California? Go- California, Colorado. Yeah. We're going to Palm Desert. It's going to be so nice. Where's Palm Desert? 70s. That's California. Palm Springs. Yeah. Like, uh, it, what's the desert? Palm Springs area. Think like Coachella Valley. You're like near Jen Steele. Nice. You're going to go and say hi to Jen? She's in San Diego. That's a couple hours south of where I'll be. Okay. But it's it's still real nice. What's the what's yeah, the plan? Nice... Are you visiting? I think Brandon has family out there. Are you going to visit family? Mm-hmm. Are you going anywhere? Just the two of you? Tropical? No. Are you going on an adventure? <laughs> what are you doing? Nope. We're just going to be relaxing, visiting the family, and enjoying the warm weather, and hopefully getting there. That's the only thing I'm worried about. But... Yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna relax, eat good food. I don't even know what's on the agenda. Just having fun. Why well, breaking news? Breaking news on the podcast. Breaking news. The Kansas City Chiefs are your Super Bowl LVIII champion. They pulled it off. No way. So there are going to be more <laughs> opportunities now for Taylor Swift to be on TV before that trophy presentation. So I'm going to have to find out. <laughs> Oh God. All right. Whatever. Yeah. That was a, a tough game to watch. Uh, I watched the first half and then maybe five minutes of Usher. And I really wish I could have watched the rest they of They won <laughs> with three seconds to go in overtime. You know what though? That's a, that's a good game, but I just wish the rest of the game was as good as like the last three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it was a lot of turnovers, a lot of nothing, a bunch of fumbles. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? I think there were three points or no. I, I think by the time I stopped watching, it was like 10 to three. I'm like, this is this is tough to watch. <laughs> well, I haven't seen any play, not even one of the games. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. go back and watch for Taylor to get over 50 and then going to pick my charity <laughs> to donate to. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck, friend. I think we got a couple congratulations to uh, send out a couple friends of the pod ran 100 milers. Yeah, we do. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm super pumped. Uh, we got John Calabrese. He just finished one. I think it was one he had he had done a couple times. I but I don't think he's actually completed it. But now he can finally check it off his list. And then our good buddy Neil Murphy just did the Outlaw 100, and he came in third overall. Like this dude crushed it. Nice, <laughs> so, Neil. Big kudos to you guys. Like, oh, I was following Neil's like Facebook posts, and he put stuff up on Strava too. And he had like big water jugs and he just labeled them C-U-M. Yes, I and saw that. For like crap pants underperform. And I forget what the last one was, but he's always making me laugh. Just uh, I'm glad it worked out. I'm really, really glad. So he's getting up there for his requirements for bad water. Yes. He's doing the damn thing. Yes. And then does he know he's on your uh, fantasy team? Oh, I doubt it. <laughs> we'll tell him when we actually get in. Be like, hey, save the date. But I'm honestly hoping that he gets to run it first. John Calabrese, mm-hmm. Neil Murphy, congratulations, guys. 100 milers. You got it done. You've done a lot oh, yeah. more than me. And uh, I can't wait to hear about it, especially Neil. We're going to hear Neil's going to have an epic year. We'll have him on at the end of the year. Totally. And speaking of John, I just booked his girlfriend, Denise, for some time in April. So we're going to have her on. Excellent. And they told she told us, remember last time on the OTR Live, She's got some stories. It's going to be a good one. Excellent. Can't wait to hear from Denise. (laughs) Gotta love it. I hope you enjoy your vacation. Uh, Take all the time you you need. No requirements for posting on Instagram for me or anything like like you do it anyway. Uh, (laughs) Calling you (laughs) out just like I did about Badwater, (laughs) our little text chat the other day. You're not going to run Badwater with that attitude. Uh, You're still better than me. But enjoy enjoy your time (laughs) with Brandon. You always do the you 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 show that part, but then you're like, dude, dude, show the rest of the chat. <laughs> <laughs> you would you would cry if you hey, saw what I had. You run. have the password. You can jump on the uh, Instagram account and you can blow me up. Well, that's why I put, I put it on mine. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. But well, yeah, have fun. I, have maybe fun. Maybe I'll get some content. Thank you. <laughs> I plan yeah, on it. have fun. Enjoy. I'll talk to you when you're back. Don't worry about texting or calling. Just let me know when you're back ready to record next. I think we'll be back to our normally scheduled recording nights Monday of next week. I don't know. I actually I'm pretty excited about recording tonight on Sunday. Maybe we can try this a I little think more. We can try for it. All right. Yeah, I like that. Definitely. Look at that. I like that. Yes. All right. Well, cool. <laughs> I know. I know there's some sad news in the running world over the past yeah. 24 hours. Yeah, I did want to just mention that the running world lost an incredible runner this this I think it just happened this Sunday. Um Kelvin Kiptum, he's the the current world record marathon holder. Uh he passed away in a tragic car accident him and his coach and the running world is just suffering a huge loss. Like he had he was so young, he was only 24 and he had so much potential and it's just heartbreaking to see something like that happen. So I mean, our thoughts and prayers go out to their family and, and just, I know it's it's such a hard time, but he he was awesome. He was great. You know, it was just, it was something like when I saw it on all over Twitter and Instagram, it's, it's seeing the year 1999 to 2024 Mm -hmm. and like, holy cow, he was born in 99 and he was so young. Mm -hmm. And then that's the youngest of, so I'm going to like since we've last talked, it's been a week and a half, like Carl Withers died, you know, happy Gilmore. It's all in the hips. It's all in the hips. He was also in Rocky. Toby Keith passed away. 
just the other day. Mm -hmm. Now, Toby was in his 60s, still way too young, and he had stomach Mm -hmm. cancer. And so we knew he was sick. Um, That was one of the most fun times I've had at a concert. Mike Lynch and I went and saw Toby Keith back in like 2005 or six, right? I was 20. Mm -hmm. He was an entertainer. He was so good. I can't believe that he passed away. It was just like he just performed the other week in Las Vegas. And he, I think at the time he knew he had only weeks left and you could tell by looking at him. Yeah, he was, he was on his way out, but way too young in his Mm sixties. And then another guy passed away that no one here knows, but my favorite hockey player as a kid passed away the other day at 53 years old. When I started Mm -hmm. watching the Boston Bruins, there was a goalie. He went by the name of Blaine Locker and he was a rookie and he had this phenomenal year, right? He just played amazing. Probably should have won the Vesna. And then the next year he started and he he just wasn't as good as he was anymore. Something happened, whether it was a new coach or a new system or an injury, and he retired from hockey a year later. And so I always consistently Aww. Google Blaine Locker. What's he up to today? And he was a very quiet, private guy living in Medicine Hat, Alberta. And it was just so when the Boston Bruins posted like condolences to Blaine Locker and his family, I was just it that was a weird one because it hit me like I remember that was my first t-shirt I had of the Boston Bruins was Blaine Locker. And I remember like mm-hmm. just watching him all the time. I thought goalies were super cool. It, it hit weird this past week. This week's been weird. And it's just to see that mm. your the face with the numbers 1999 to 2024. And even it was 1970 for Blaine Locker to 2024. That's way too young. So it's just awful. It's some, way too young. The running world, the running world lost a great talent. That's awful news. That that was that's tragic news. Mm-hmm. Actually, that happened to him. It is. It really accident. is. So, yeah. Wow. I don't. Wow. Tough way to end the podcast. I know. Tough I know. Way. But it it had to it had to be said. My serious condolences go out. Yeah. One hundred percent. Guys, have a great week. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to end on a positive note. Have a great week, guys. <laughs> Erica, enjoy your vacation. Thank you. Be safe. Don't start any fires. I'll try. Don't be like me. <laughs> Unintentional one. Yeah. And get your uh, mile in. And you know what else you need to do when you after your mile? Don't forget to stretch. So take us home and save us. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful week. Hug your loved ones. Don't start fires. And also, don't forget to stretch. <laughs>
white lace and promises A kiss for luck and we're on our way He's about to make that turn and make his way toward the finish line. You see him reaching Columbus Drive right now, and there he goes. Will he break the world record? It's going to be close. Elliot Kipchoge has been the GOAT for the last 10 years. This man is... He's going to do it. It's a two... 14 right now. He's digging down for this. He's worked so hard. Elliot Kipchoge has been the GOAT for the last 10 years. But this is the new young gun, Kelvin Kiptum, finishing. We're going to get ourselves a new world record. He recognizes it. He's waving to the crowd. Kisses. An amazing effort by Kelvin Kiptum for a new world record at the Bank of America Chicago Marathon. And Carrie Pinkowski could not be happier as he hugs him at the finish line. Wow, a brand new men's world record, unofficial two hours, and we don't even know. It's at 2.47 right now. He hasn't even hit 2.01 yet. He's been behind the finish line for a while. Amazing. We'll get that official time, two hours and 30-whatever. Wow. This is the future for a man who said his family could not afford to get him to the track, for a man that went out on the roads in Kenya and put the work in, for a man that trained by himself and coached himself for a long time. This is what it's all about. Listening to Sean Paul, okay, let's go. Whatever it takes, and clearly two hours and 35 seconds. It's official. It's a world record. He was the second fastest. Now he is, he is the, the fastest. fastest. He's 23 years of age. We have a future is bright for marathoning for Kenya and for the world. Standing here at the Fleet Center. Another tradition in hockey. When you get the penalty shot, you're in the stands, you get up. It'll be Steve Eisenman against Blaine Locker. Penalty shot, Detroit. Eisenman. Saved by Locker. Yeah, Alex Kasatonov, he gave it the forehead wipe. Oosh. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Blaine Locker. Yeah, I should have been a cowboy. I should have been a cowboy. 